Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Six Pixels Under podcast. I am Nerd Slayer, or NS, your host, and this is episode 35. On this week's podcast, we're going to talk a little bit about Sony and Microsoft possibly partnering up together or partnering up together. Looks like it's already been announced. We'll talk a bit about that. We'll talk about uh, GOG Galaxy 2.0, which is uh, just another update, I guess, in the whole platform wars thing. I know there's been an awful lot of talk about the different platforms, so I figured we might as well cover GOG as well, considering I've also covered it before and I also use it myself. We will go a little bit into the uh, news of a new Star Wars movie coming out. Apparently, there is a Star Wars uh, Knights of the Old Republic trilogy uh, movie series being worked on right now that's already been confirmed. So we'll go into that a bit. Sorry if I look a little bit washed today. Uh, my alarm did not go off uh, <laughs> on time, so happy Memorial Day. To all of those uh, with people who've served, haven't? Uh, um, if you haven't already said something about that to them, please do. Um, if not, let's just say, a, I guess, a congratulatory, um, happy Memorial Day to all of those um, who this matters to, for those who work in the armed forces in wherever country, all that good stuff. On the MMOs and the ghost segment, we will talk, of course, about MMOs, the most exciting thing ever, right? Um, Chronicles of Spellborn is not dead yet. Apparently, there's a emulator still running or just started running. There's been some recent resurgence, I guess, if you want to call it that, with uh, regards to Planetside 2 and their recent, uh, um, I guess I would say, engine change. They went to DX11. Not not engine change. They they went from DX10, I believe, to DX11, and they've had a little bit of a resur- uh, resurgence in their population. I wanted to briefly go over that. As well as there's a, I guess, some recent news coming out about Final Fantasy XIV and its uh, more recent uh, subscription numbers. There was a headline that came out that stated that, oh, Final Fantasy XIV is at 16 million players overall. Obviously, um, it's probably not at 16 million players overall. That being said, uh, it's been rumored to be over 500k, so... Anyway, lots of weird, interesting bits to talk about, but not a whole lot of main bits to dive into. I guess what I mean by that is that um, today might be a, a shorter podcast if you guys don't have a lot of questions for me. <laughs> I couldn't find a whole lot of things that I uh, I really thought were um, interesting to to talk about this week, besides just, you know, all the usual stuff, which is MMO-related. On uh, this week's From the Vault, uh, we have a special game maybe even a game that labels itself a virtual world to talk about and um, possibly highlight. It's a one-of-a-kind uh, one kind game from From the Vault, and um, I figured it would be a perfect one to cover on the series because it's just one of those very unique games. <laughs> anyway, okay. uh, I'm not going to spoil myself. Hello, uh, Dead Earth, and welcome to the Nor Club. I, I appreciate you subbing. Um, you are the first sub of the day, so thank you for that. Does Planetside 2 still have that silly mechanic where you can only test one weapon a day? Huh. I don't know, actually. That, that's, that's a good question. I know the search system and all of that stuff. I did not necessarily enjoy that before. By the way, you do get your own hat tip. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for mentioning that card. Okay. Like I said, there's not a whole lot of topics this week that interest me, so I'm going to get right through the current gaming topic section, and let's just dive into whatever topic we have uh, uh, to jump into right now, which is going to be Sony and Microsoft to explore strategic partnership. 
And I just thought that this was really interesting. Somebody had mentioned this a, a little bit briefly last week, and I looked into it a little bit more. And the main things that I saw here uh, are, of course, obviously, this is an unprecedented announcement. We don't typically see um, these big platforms working together. Microsoft and Sony, obviously, um, PS4, Xbox. If you don't know the whole history about that, I'd probably get read up on it because we don't talk about console stuff maybe a whole lot on the channel. But generally speaking, the PS4 has kind of, you know, beaten the Xbox One, if you will. And um, it now looks like they're going to be joining forces over the joint development of future cloud solutions, they say, um, in regards to Microsoft Alert or Azure, rather. And then it also talks about content streaming services, um, the data centers, um, possible data center usage, different, th- different stuff like that, apparently. Finally, the last thing that they're working on in collaboration is supposed to be uh, AI. So it's nothing concrete, nothing specifically was said besides, well, you've got, you know, possible new gaming experiences and entertainment experiences for customers, which is like basically what they told the press. But as far as I could see, the only thing that's um, uh, being worked on that's been said so far is joint development of future cloud solutions, which doesn't even necessarily mean a positive thing, right? That that to me sounds like what if um what if it's another one of those things where they're trying to figure out service thing. They're coming up with some new cloud service to do all of that. I don't know, but um it's still you don't see Sony and Microsoft work together that much. So, so I still think that that's uh worth mentioning <laughs> even if there's not a whole lot other to mention about it. Sony barely competes with Microsoft in actuality. Microsoft makes all of its money from consoles. Yeah, I mean, it, it it used to compete on the console, though. I don't think it's fair to say that they don't compete anymore, uh, or at least don't compete. I think they tried. I think they failed. They they didn't necessarily do the best job of competing. And in fact, Xbox 360 and, and Xbox itself did very, very well. I just think that the PS4 is a better system than the Xbox One. And I think that they've, uh, you know, they being Sony in this case, has, ha- has had uh, much better exclusives, which obviously results in you know, generally speaking, better results. I won't go over this too much, though. I don't want to um, get stuck in the mud on any of these topics that I don't necessarily have a whole lot to go into about. But I did want to briefly mention them. GOG Galaxy 2.0. Okay. Those who haven't heard of GOG.com, it's a special platform I like to think of it as a special platform that allows a DeNuvo and um, I guess I would say, um, what what do they call that stuff? Uh, <laughs> I know DeNuvo is the name of the company, but what do they, what do they even call that stuff anymore? For some reason, I can't remember off the top of my head. Anyway, GOG Galaxy 2.0 is announced, and this is supposed to be some revamped, upgraded version of the platform. DRM, thank you. I could not remember off the top of my head. I was like, what, what's the name of that? D, D, I was like, De, De Nouveau. Okay, that's the name of the company. But what's a DRM? Okay. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, GOG Galaxy 2.0. So this is interesting for me because uh, previous news came out about GOG where they were actually uh, potentially in trouble. Remember, GOG is, of course, a um, competitor to none other than uh, Valve and Steam. And obviously, it being one that doesn't allow uh, for games to uh, have DRM on it, 
makes it kind of like a user-friendly, maybe community-centric platform than maybe Epic <laughs> or some of these other platforms that are currently out there. Also with GOG, um, the, the, the big thing about them in particular, besides the DRM aspects, is you can get some of the classic games and you can basically download and import them on any platform. The idea is that whether you're on your console, your PC, or wherever else, you can just create your own, um, I guess I would say, game library of sorts. And of course, for many people, this is not anything new, but maybe if you're uh, somebody who likes to use GOG as a platform, this is new for you. I think that's I think that's a good thing, first off. And it's also good to see more um, platforms getting back into the whole tracking achievements type thing. They talked about hours played, games owned, and being able to track that stuff. I think that that's like very underrated information and very underrated uh, um, data that we don't typically get access to. Um, maybe besides those who are spoiled by using Steam, I guess I would say at this point. But I think about how much I rely on that data myself, seeing player counts, concurrent numbers, how much a particular game sells, you know, things like that. Like, without that data, um, it's hard to make a lot of assessments and it's hard to make a lot of uh, uh, analysis, really. And, and actually, th this is a good segue. I was looking for any segue into a, <laughs> a soapbox because um, I don't want to be on the script too much this week because I didn't have... Like I said, there were no topics that really jumped out to me in terms of uh, current gaming news. So let's go ahead and step on to my uh, soapbox, if you will, and let me preach a little bit here. One of the things I found with regards to uh, MMOs, and I guess like um, working around them, is oftentimes you, you either get like this insane sense of either over-the-top hype and um, maybe unrealistic level of expectation... And then you also get that mixed with like this extremely negative level of pessimism. And that, that basically sums up like the MMO industry right now. On one extreme end of the spectrum, you have a lot of uh, people who are just tired. They're tired of the status quo. They're tired of what's currently out. If you show them another game like Elder Scrolls Online, Guild Wars 2... If you show them one of those games, they've probably already heard of them. They probably already tried it. And so they're kind of not really interested in getting another advice or getting another game suggested to them when it's going to be just like all the other games. And so you have a certain level of pessimism for sure. Um, the, the thing that I wanted to kind of highlight today, and I, I'm kind of walking into it almost um, uh, randomly, I guess I would say at this point, because I wasn't planning on talking about it right away. But it's just population data and how we can make assessments on how good a game or a company are doing, right? Now, obviously, this is something that I um, heavily get into on the Death of a Game series. We talk about population data. We talk about um, subscription data and all of this different stuff. And there's one overwhelming thing that you see a lot of the times. And it's kind of people saying something along the lines of, man, I don't know if these Steam uh, chart you know, data or the Steam chart data here or this or whatever else. I don't know if that's enough to get an accurate representation of how many people are playing the game. And I'm going to let you guys in on a secret. Unless the developers or you know, publishers really want us to, we're never really going to know how many people are playing the game that we're playing. And obviously I'm talking about MMOs in particular because uh, developers are incentivized to not tell you exactly what their population data is. Um, in fact, I can't really think of a reason for them to tell it. Tell us their population data, unless it's really good and they're just bragging, basically. 
in my in my experience, that's about the only time you see people mention their population data. So what I often find a little bit annoying about that is that this is something that you kind of expect whenever you go into any discussion concerning MMOs. You know that like population data and statistics and all of that stuff, you know it's kind of like not necessarily there. And it's it's not there because it's not reported by developers themselves. And so a lot of the times players will kind of self-report uh, their own statistics and there's checks and balances. You know, when people look at Final Fantasy fourteen numbers, they take into consideration uh, what parts of the story have you completed? Maybe do you have a mound? What level are you? How many hours a week do you play? What's considered an active player? Because I see this mentioned quite often. People will say, well, this MMO has X amount of active players. And it's like, okay, what is the uh, basis for active player? What do we consider to be an active player? Is an active player one who plays maybe for one single hour? Um, is an active player somebody who potentially you know beats a quest line or uh, can beat a number of quests in a week. What is the what is the parameters for what is considered a active user? That's the first question you have to answer. And then once you answer that question, you have to think, okay, how is this game um, or company? How are they making money? And if we can tie this into a particular game, actually, um, this is quite relevant to. We can talk about uh, the recent slight resurgence, I guess you would say concerning and i know we're a bit all over the place so bear with me here we're gonna go in and out a little bit today but yeah somebody wanted me to uh, mention this last week and i didn't mention it but planet side 2 um as we previously outlined and have previously covered recently went to dx11 and this has actually been as the data on screen shows here the most successful they've been in the past two years. And that's pretty significant. So although there's not a whole lot of data to go off of this from now, obviously the, the information just recently came out. But as you can see here, they've had in the past 30 days a 71% increase uh, gain in um, a percentage in uh, players. But as for average players overall, they, the average concurrent players has actually like streamlined or, or evened out around 3,500 players. And as I said, it's been about two years since they've managed to get to 3,500. So for Planetside 2, or in this case, uh, Daybreak, who <laughs> hasn't had the best luck with Planetside 2, uh, but I mean, can we necessarily blame them? Obviously, uh, it hasn't necessarily had the most development um, compared to maybe other titles. It kind of was caught in a weird position. Planetside 2, in this case, where SOE was acquired by Daybreak. Daybreak is now an investment company. Daybreak operates Planetside 2. Daybreak decided to do a Planetside Arena, which is... I don't even know where to start with the Planetside Arena thing. I don't even think I could keep myself um, from just saying, like, what the fuck? <laughs> Sorry. The whole Planetside 2, uh, or the whole Planetside Arena thing was silly. But now at least I'm glad to see that Planetside 2 is having some level of resurgence in its population because it's really one of those games that you feel like could do something but just doesn't do something. And when I say could do something, I just mean that it's different and unique enough to offer something that you know allows it to uh, continue to operate in the current marketplace. You know, It's a unique game. It's a game that I think that not a whole lot of other games can really rep replicate. I mean, how, how many Planetside 2 type experiences are there out there um, that offer that sort of type of experience? I think it's a little bit scary that we're not going to see a, um, or at least, I don't want to say for sure yet, but it's scary to think that perhaps we won't see 
another planet side. So that's why anytime I see a sequel doing well, I'm like, I don't know. I don't want to say selfishly happy, but I'm just weirdly, I'm weirdly ecstatic about it. I really want to see sequels do well because for me, if a sequel is doing well, that increases the chances for there uh, to be another game, right? At this point, with Planetside Arena already coming out and kind of already pissing people off, I don't know what the future is for the Planetside uh, IP, which is why I still think it's interesting to bring up. It doesn't look like it's quite ready to to have its own Death of a Game episode yet, so that's at least interesting. I don't really see the point. I'm one of those people where it's like I'm very confrontational, so if you do have something that you want to say or talk about, you can always bring it up to me. But that's just because I prefer to kind of like address things and I like to get my thoughts out there um, versus uh, like that's actually speaking of the Kickstarter video. Speaking of MMOs, I should say the Kickstarter video. uh, That's why I made that video. I got asked a lot of questions on stream about certain MMOs. And um, of course, people were asking, you know, Camelot Unchained, what do you think of Star Citizen? What do you think of Ashes of Creation? What do you think of all of these different Kickstarter MMOs that are currently launching or in the process of uh, uh, launching and, or have launched already in some cases? And so that's why I made that video on that. And um, I realized, you know, in hindsight, there were a couple uh, bits that I got wrong here. So I wanted to address those. I figure why not just talk about them right now? Because <laughs> that was uh, an interesting uh, occurrence. Camelot Unchained, we talked about Crow Fall, Star Citizen, Chronicles of Illyria, Ashes of Creation, Pantheon. There's some honorable mentions, like I talked about City of Titans, the Fractured MMO, uh, Project Gorgon. I mentioned Gung- Guns of Icarus Online, which is kind of like on the edge, I guess, of what you would call a multiplayer uh, slash MMO. And then we talked about some of the launched MMOs, which many people probably don't even know that there are currently launched Kickstarter MMOs. Uh, there's Pathfinder Online, Shroud of the Avatar, Elite Dangerous, and there's the Hex Shards of Fate. Now, all four of these games aren't necessarily doing so hot. Besides Elite Dangerous, I would probably say Elite Dangerous out of all of these other games is doing the best. Um, but Elite Dangerous also brings up an interesting point. And, and it was something that somebody mentioned in the thread itself, actually. I like to go through um, reaction threads to my videos, typically because... Oftentimes, you can see maybe what somebody's main point of criticism is or what people are thinking about in regards to uh, your video. Yeah, he is. Uh, X uh, Voodoo X. I- I'm assuming that's what he what he was doing. That guy said something about Twitch and he was like trying to contact people. And I was the first person to call in or or out. Sorry, I was the first person to accept or whatever. Anyway. So the first top comment is Pathfinder Online saying it's launched as a joke. I mean, it's not a joke. It's sad. And maybe... Actually, no. You know what? I disagree with that take. I don't think it's at all a a joke. I think it's pretty fucking depressing. (laughs) I don't think there's anything funny about Pathfinder Online. And it's like bastardization of an MMO. Uh, have you guys ever even heard of Pathfinder Online MMO? Like, like, let's just go look that up. Let's watch this. The these are the th- three years ago there were first impressions done on this game, and the game looks like it was. I mean, shit, this shit looks older than EQ two. 
Oh yeah. That's that's like EQ2 quality right there. It's really a shame. I I don't understand why Pathfinder of all of the, you know, of all of these different um universes, I guess, or IPs, I they would be the ones to not only create a game in an MMO universe, but create one first off, in my opinion, without next to any MMO talent. So they have basically nobody that I could recognize that works in MMOs currently, previously. Maybe, maybe there's some guy I'm sure I could recognize one or two. But I can't recognize anybody that you know works for the game anymore. The publisher doesn't even know what they're going to do with the game anymore. And, uh, sorry, I, I'm a little bit disconnected, but with Pathfinder, the reason why I personally like them is I think that it's an interesting universe. I like the Pathfinder RPG, uh, series or, or, or world, if you want to put it that. I like it. I, I've enjoyed Pathfinder, uh, Kingmaker Chronicles, which by the way is apparently getting like some free remake or not, not remake, but a, a free, uh, ultimate edition that's supposed to be coming out like any day now which is totally awesome. Anyway, to- that's that's Pathfinder nerd stuff. Long story short, the MMO is um it's less than stellar. So while I understand what he's saying here, I don't know. I don't think it's that funny. I think it's pretty damn sad that Pathfinder online is so horrible. And then whenever people say say claims like Guns of Icarus online isn't an MMO, the the interesting thing about these claims is that when are we going to pick and choose or, or, or draw, draw a line in the sand of what an MMO is supposed to be based off of. Because whenever you say something is based off of matches, that doesn't mean that it's not an MMO. And that's the, that's the strange thing to me, is that if something can have matchmaking and not be considered a multiplayer game first and foremost, or maybe not considered the typical uh, massive multiplayer online game, wh- where does, what does the line start and end? You know, what is an MMO? What is not an MMO? Is it just the massive part? Is it how many players in a certain instance? If it's certain players in an instance, then games like Elite Dangerous, Guns of Icarus, and Hex uh, Shards of Fate aren't MMOs, right? They aren't by that logic. But the thing that I found interesting here is there's an apparent know-it-all guy I see here on the, you know, sorry if this is one of you guys, but seriously, you act like you know everything. <laughs> you, you sound more educated than I am. And I spend way too much time uh, researching this shit. But he says, uh, a few issues here. Elite Dangerous is not and has no intention of becoming an MMO. So this is where you can't make claims for other games and you can't make a claim for a developer. How does anybody know what any game uh, in particular has an intention of becoming? Because whenever you look up Elite Dangerous, for example, and by the way, I bring up Elite Dangerous and I'm even willing to get into this discussion because Elite Dangerous is probably a perfect example of one that always comes up whenever people reference, what's an MMO? Is this an MMO? Is 24 players, or I think it's 24 players in a a single instance is the maximum they have in Elite Dangerous. Could that constitute anything close to an MMO? And if you're going to talk about the amount of players playing at one time, like in one single instance, then maybe uh, it does not uh, classify as an MMO. But Elite Dangerous does still allow for a, a massive, you know, persistent world to be uh, traversed by a massive amount of players. Maybe not all within the same instance, 
but you see what I'm saying? It, it's a lot. It's a lot uh, less. It's it's a lot less simple than maybe people are making it out to be with regards to coming to to grips with what is considered an MMO and what is not considered an MMO. Hex Shards of Fate, for example. Why was it called an MMO TCG? It's because it first off wasn't uh, a TCG that was attempting to be a massive multiplayer online game. It wanted to have leveling systems, questing systems, uh, raids, group content, guild, uh, social systems, all the all the typical stuff you see in an MMO. All the typical stuff that you see, um, but just obviously in a card game. And so, can we say that Hex Shards of Fate is not an MMO? We actually can't. Technically speaking, we can't, unless we're going to have the discussion about what is considered massive, right? The only way we can change the discussion about what is an MMO is if we actually talk about what is considered massive. So, I know we talk about that sometimes, guys, but it's a lot harder than it seems to, to come up with a genre for a game, first off. And then second off, the current genre that exists, which is just this massive like umbrella of massive multiplayer online, it's too big. Like massive multiplayer online at like the three letter acronym, it's just too broad. There's too many things that you can add in there. Massive multiplayer on how much is massive? Um, are we talking about a persistent world? Are we talking about a lobby? Are we talking about a match uh, making system? I don't know exactly, but we're going to have to have that conversation at some point. And perhaps maybe I'm thinking of doing videos about it where we can talk about it. And I'm thinking I'm going to do them based on where they're voted on. So we've talked about it briefly on the podcast before, but we want to introduce a term series where we talk about different terms and kind of how they affect uh, gaming. And in this particular case, MMO is obviously a term and MMORPG, in fact, are both terms that I'm sure many of you would like to have defined and adequately defined. And I hope that we can do that at some point, because otherwise, what's the point of me complaining about uh, complaining about nomenclature or c- complaining about um, complaining about really any anything of that sort? Right. I don't think it's my place if I don't do my due diligence in explaining what terminology and acronyms mean, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Uh, so Ulysses would like to call in. I'm going to go ahead and drag him in here. Um, let's see what he uh, wants to talk about. He said, uh, I'm in the lobby and I'd like to talk about planetside MMOs and faction balance and WoW Classic. Okay, that's a, an interesting sort of broad topic. But population is, is always going to be a main topic of, con- uh, of conversation in the world of uh, massive multiplayer online games. Because without population... The game can't function, right? So let's see what uh, Ulysses has to say on that. Hey, what's up? Hey, how's it going? Ah, it's going uh, great. <laughs> I guess it's going to go even better now that <laughs> I have somebody who's here to actually ask a question. <laughs> right, so my question to you, um, it's kind of an, uh, a broad question, an in-depth one. It's about what you think the best ways to because i because one of the most important conversations around uh player population in these games is how best to maintain a balance uh that's competitive between different factions in games like planet side and world of warcraft and guild wars 2 and there's been different uh, options that have been tried like guild wars 2 uh caps its servers so that uh if at a certain point you just can't 
you know, transfer your character over to that server. Um, Planetside 2, actually, I don't know if you mentioned it or not, but I'm going to mention it here. Planetside 2 is experimenting with uh, a new feature in their latest update, in addition to DirectX. You can choose to play as a fourth mercenary faction of robots, and those mercenaries have access to all of the NS weapons, from what I understand. And their reward for choosing to do that uh, is those weapons, but the downside is, is that you have to play on the least populated faction. So in this three-faction uh, war, let's say the red faction is the least populated. All of the new mercenary faction players get pushed over to that faction and have to fight for them. Okay. Are so you... my question is basically, what do you think is the better option between what you've seen? Because I foresee in the future, like World of Warcraft particularly, has a big problem with faction. What do you think is the best option for addressing, uh, maintaining a competitive balance? Man, that it's it's such a it's such a hard question because I think about multiple schools of thought. Where um, early on, you saw two different schools of thought that were prevalent early on. You saw EverQuest had the idea that just make things simply based on factions so it's you know you just have one faction here one faction there with individual races and you know different aspects like that but generally speaking it was faction based then you had a game like Asheron's Call or Shadowbane and these games are Ultima and these games are not you know the least bit uh, faction based in fact factions are probably like the least interesting part of those games i think um i've seen arguments for both and, you know, the funny thing is, is that as much as I want to sit here and say that I prefer a non-faction system, I'd rather a faction system that you could create your own factions. Because at the end of the day, for an MMO, in my opinion, it's about the players. And players are about working together and, and having an adventure team or a guild or, you know, whatever you'd like to call it. And having a guild and working together, for me, it goes hand in hand with the idea of um, uh, having maybe... I don't want to work with the Horde. So maybe whenever I'm playing with my guildmates, we decide to break against the Horde. Um, obviously, that's never going to happen in WoW, which is a significant problem because it, it essentially makes it to where there's two uh, sides of the story. There's Horde and there's Alliance. And that, and that works when it works, right? Because you know if if they're not on my side, then they are my enemy. So from a simplistic standpoint, I get the idea and the appeal of having a faction-based system. It's much sim simpler to understand who your enemy is, especially when you have the lore that's done for it. In the case of uh, WoW, obviously, there's a lot of lore between humans and orcs and elves and all that stuff. So I think it's easier to do a faction-based system, especially a three-faction uh, uh, system, maybe one that Dark Age of Camelot kind of, um, I guess I would say, pioneered the Tri-Realm idea. I think that that's probably the easiest way, but do I think it's the best way? I actually don't, and I don't think it's the best way because it is the easiest way, if that makes sense. The fact that it is the easiest way, to me, tells me that there is another way that might be more difficult, but could potentially be better. And I, that's why I just like the idea of an open guild system. I like the idea of I can have my own guild, I can make it my own faction, and maybe it becomes a big faction that gains support. Like, say, for example, you look at Harry Potter. In Harry Potter, there's a couple different houses. And that's basically it uh, when you talk about Hogwarts. You have a couple different houses, and that's it. 
but maybe it's possible uh we could talk about game of thrones too i know people are pissed off about that right now so they don't want to talk about that but you have these different houses and each house right is a different faction but the cool thing about game of thrones is that at any time a house or a faction could cease to exist right it could lose all of its noblemen and noble women and all of a sudden it loses its like the, the the lead or the head of its house or whatever else these are all very intriguing and interesting uh stories that can you know transpire because of that drama i feel like a lot of that stuff's missing whenever you look at mmos because it's basically like okay one faction and the other faction and i think that that's a big reason why shadowbane uh, Todd Coleman and now uh, Crowfall because Todd Coleman who worked on Shadowbane now works on Crowfall I think that's why whenever he advertises Crowfall which is this big MMO that's supposed to be about faction or factions and, and warfare and stuff like that he always refers to it as a throne war simulator and so I I mean it's I know it's not an easy answer um, I guess if I had to condense it the faction system is certainly easier. It's easier to write. It's easier to have lore. And it's it's just easier, I think, to be more applicable to a broader audience. But if you're going to say which one do I think is better, I think a guild system is ultimately always going to be better. Just again, because you have all that political aspect that you just can't, you can't really do it justice by just saying, here's Horde and here's Alliance. I think that there's a lot more that goes into social interactions uh, warfare, conflict, uh, and even community interactions between players. Mm -hmm. I, I agree with you that fundamentally the problem, the root problem here is with the way the factions are set up, right? It's, I think that there's a spectrum of worse and better solutions there where, you know, it's like a two-faction system isn't as good as a three-faction system and a three-faction system uh, might not be as good as having, you know, a mercenary faction system like Planetside is established, but ultimately it would probably be better to just have let players sort of form their own little factions kind of an eve style uh system um right that would be both a, more interesting eve allows for both by the, the way problem. so you can have right. both you can have a hybrid system right um uh the problem that we're running into is you have these uh games like uh world of warcraft that are that are basically the um that are limping on into the future and that not being replaced by anything new with a better faction system. And, uh, you know, like I said, different games have tried different solutions and world of Warcraft has tried no solution. And what you end up with is these hub servers where eventually everyone transfers to the server that their faction is dominant in. And it kind of breaks the, some of the systems of the game, um, which is why you had to have cross realming and sharding and all of this other stuff, at least to some degree. Um, right. What I, 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 yeah, I would like to see uh, more games. Uh, I'd like to see more games set up like you're saying, but I think that the the answer for the games that exist now isn't no solution. I'm just not sure yet uh, whether the best solution is adding in, you know, extra factions or capping the ones that exist. Yeah, you know, and and this is one of those like scenarios where. I I love having hypothetical discussions, so let, let me preface it by saying that. But I would love to have a, hypo, a hypothetical discussion about what maybe, uh, for example, Blizzard or WoW in this case could learn from these different systems. I feel like, um, you know, we look at, like, let's just say, let's just throw this out there. Let's get a little bit crazy. Um, you know, WoW Classic comes out. It's out for a number of years. They decide that they're going to do it like RuneScape. 
So they're going to create new content with the vanilla with the vanilla model until they eventually release T- TBC again and and whatever else. Like let's just pretend they do it that way. Eventually they're going to run into an issue as you said where it's going to seem as soon as another competitor comes out with like an open sort of faction system that works, it's just one of those things where it's just going to seem so so backwards in comparison. When you play a game that has two factions and then you go and play, I don't know, for me, it's Darkfall. Darkfall is that game for me. Um, Eve is that game for many other people. When you play those games and you go back to it, it's just so hard to like get that same kind of experience because it's just like, it, it, like I mentioned in Eve, like does it have the same lore and, and kind of story background as maybe like WoW or Final Fantasy does? It absolutely doesn't. But you can create your own story because of all of the other political aspects. And what if I could say you could do the same thing in WoW if you just allowed for that as a system to be introduced? Is Maybe you could allow, again, crazy ideas here, but maybe you could allow for, I don't know, a, a Horde guild or an Alliance guild to at least go neutral for like a particular instance. You know what I'm saying? Like maybe like right. a particular area. There's something they could figure out. It's It's not out of the realm of possibility. Um, right, but it takes a lot of, and I think a part of the reason why they haven't changed is that uh, I just don't think that they want to shake the boat, right? Mm. Um, what it, what it has worked for a long time is 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 still kind of working, yeah. But I think that they're going to have to, if they want to progress their warfront system, if they want to progress the uh, classic servers with no cross realm, I think that um, they really don't have a choice. I think they have to come up with some solution. Otherwise, it's going to be worse than live. I mean, imagine a, a world where everyone sort of uh, moves to a hub server with only their faction on it, and there's no cross-realming at all. I mean, what's the point of having a PvP server if you're the only faction on there? <laughs> you know. Yeah, and I, I think that that's still something that maybe the general populace hasn't necessarily gotten uh, over. And, and And what I mean by that is that one interesting thing I notice about uh, MMOs, and I've seen it kind of unfold with WoW Classic, is it seems like for some people, if you told them they could play the game just like in an offline uh, capability, like maybe they didn't have to uh, have conflict against an enemy faction, I think some people would still say yes to that. I think some people would still maybe not necessarily be against the idea of playing WoW I- without having to worry about another faction, right? I think there's still I, people that are that are that are definitely like that. I think that that, however, is like completely backwards, right? I, I think, right? Ha, I mean, I think you and I agree with that. But it's one of those things where it's like, if you allow people to have the option, kind of like a lot of uh, um, maybe more modern mechanics that got WoW in trouble, is if you allow everyone to have it, then everyone's gonna have it, and then it becomes everybody does it all the time. And so it's like one of those things where I, I would personally like to see some uh maybe changes or even if like the community could do something about it that's my my main point is like if as a community if we could at least police it ourselves we could at least do something on our own we wouldn't have to worry about blizzard or or whoever else handling factions or things like that but i'm with you in that i think that ultimately a two-faction system it's going to feel dated it not right away of course because we're all going to be enjoying the game but like eventually people are going to feel like that two-faction system is dated if they don't already feel that way, which I can already see an argument for that. But I also think that it's just one of those things where 
the, the casual or the general populace hasn't really caught up necessarily to understanding how massive multiplayer online worlds work. And I mean like good ones, you know, like a, a world that's trying to be a virtual world. In fact, the game that I uh, was going to cover on this week's From the Vault that I'll go over after um, I'm done chatting with you is uh, Second Life. And Second Life's a perfect example of that. Second Life is described and is advertised as a virtual world. And so that's pretty unique. You know, there's not a whole lot of MMOs that legitimately advertise themselves in that way. And WoW has never been that way. But I guess I can't help but um, now combine this, like your question with my idea of, I would love to see classic WoW with some upgrades to it. Like maybe some more modern upgrades, like faction systems and, and uh, I don't even care about the content at this point. Give me more systems in WoW. That's what I want to see, but maybe that's just because I'm the outside guy looking in. <laughs> right. Um, there's some points there that I would like to agree and disagree with, and I'll, I'll explain. So the first point that you made about um, that there are po people that don't want to interact with them at all, and it, that already exists. You see it on the PvE realms, right? And that's a huge portion of the population of players who just don't want to interact with the opposite faction at all. Uh, they complain anytime uh, and there's a mechanic in the game that forces them to do any kind of PvP, and that's fine. That's a huge portion of the population. And then you made a point that um, that it'd be nice if we policed ourselves. Um, and that you also made a point that you wished that um, wish that people would police themselves, but you don't think that necessarily that exists. Well, it it did exist. So there, let me tell you the story of Emerald Dream. Emerald Dream was a server, an RP PvP server with limited cross-realming, and that community banded together to maintain a faction balance. It was pretty near, nearly evenly split for a very long time. There mm. was great PvP. Uh, the problem that happened was when all of the other servers became hub servers, the major PvP guilds on those other servers and the streamers who liked the PvP migrated to that server and ruined the balance uh, for profit, for greed, and just for the fact that they couldn't get PvP anywhere else. Um, I don't know what the state of Emerald Dream is today, but I can't imagine that it's... Um, I think that the uh, WoW Classic uh, community is similar uh, to this. I think that they care a lot. Um, there's a lot of discussion around uh, faction balance. You see it play out on the streams. People talk about what, what's, what streamer should go to what faction to keep mm -hmm. that server they're going to balanced. Now, I've spreadsheeted out you know, the average viewer count of all these major streamers, you know, in the discussion with my personal friend group of like what we think that the faction balance is going to be. And it would be nearly split as it is right now. But that's not the problem with that is that, you know, you don't know what percentage of their, their viewership is going to go what faction. You don't know what what uh, streamer is going to change their mind and go to whatever other faction. I, I just don't think that I don't think the average viewer of streamers is a good representation of uh what the faction balance of that server is going to be. I don't necessarily even think that um, the private server faction balance is a good uh, representation. But the broader point of this is that there's a lot of anxiety in the player base uh, about about this issue. I think that that saying that people don't know about it or don't think about it, I think that the portion of the population that's interested in Classic WoW is very uh, conscious of it. You know what? Actually, that that that's that's a good point. And and, and the reason why I, I say like uh, the actually there is, I, I was thinking earlier about when I talked about um, policing it yourself and how you know basically we used to do that uh, ourselves on RP servers we would play on. 
I always liked to play on an RP PvP server because that was like a big hook of it. Like, at least I knew community wise we could make an effort and and there would be people who would show up, you know, for an event, whether it be faction wars or whatever the hell we're doing. But now that I've started to think about it, the amount of times I've been asked the question, the amount of times I've seen it mentioned on videos and things like that, and, and frankly, I saw people mention it in our Discord as well. And and there is a lot of uh, questions about the population balance and what that's going to mean for the game. And and it, it got me kind of thinking about old school servers and, and kind of my experience with them. And, and maybe you guys can either back me up on this or maybe you had a different experience. But oftentimes I found that a server can be kind of poisoned pretty easily. You know, maybe it's one big guild decides that we're going to leave. But that doesn't just mean one big guild leaves. You know, that, that as as you expect from it's a, a virtual effect. world, right? It means that we lose the community, we lose the crafting, we lose the PvP, we lose all the content that comes with it. And it, it does have me wondering, what is Blizzard going to do about balancing uh, balancing issues? Because at the moment, we don't even have a server list, so we don't even know what servers we're gonna even gonna play on. So like, I'm now imagine that problem compounded. It's even compounded because we don't even know, first off, 100% what servers are even going to be in the game. Yes, they did say certain servers, but they also didn't leave the door closed on RPVP, uh, RP PvP. Not to mention, um, if we do get an RP PvP or we don't, we don't know if it's just one server, is one server. An- There's just so much that goes into it. It's crazy that launch is coming in just a couple of months. And there's still a lot of questions, <laughs> a lot of questions right. that I have. Um, and uh, people, like I said, people are very anxious about it. Uh, my personal prediction, and this is just, there, there's a lot of variables up in the air here, but I think it's going to end up looking kind of like modern. Where if as long if they, so, the big question is: Is there going to be server transfers? Um, as far as everything I can tell, there's not been an announcement of whether they're going to have server transfers. But they've kind of been on the the of the opinion with things like RP PvP realms and other services that they're gonna try to mirror what we had back then. And we had server transfers back then, but there was not this culture of everybody moving to the hub server for your faction back then. I think that that will exist today. Oh, it absolutely that, will. I, I'm I'm absolutely certain it's going to exist today. Right. And you can tell why that's going to be a big problem. You know, even if there is, you know, like like I admitted earlier, this is the same kind of group of people who are like the Emerald Dream server want a balanced server, even if you have one or two servers that self police and balance themselves. What I'm most afraid of happening, the sort of the doomsday scenario is that you have uh, streamers and PvP guilds server hopping server to server ruining each of the balanced pvp realms just because they can't get it anywhere else and i'm not saying that those people i'm not saying be angry at those people those people are only responding to a problem that's endemic with the game it's not their fault it's the it's the developer's fault for not setting it up different right and i don't know if i don't know how the community would respond to blizzard stepping in and saying with with classic wow we need to maintain some sort of faction balance, so we're going to implement a new system. I don't think it would be responded to well. I think most people are of the opinion that it should be the way it was, even if that means uh, that it breaks itself. I'm hoping, though, that uh, eventually, at some point, it will break itself so thoroughly that people will add demand Blizzard do something about it. 
I think that might be what ends up happening. And I, and I actually don't think that that's like the best solution because as you kind of absolutely uh, not inferred, it basically means that there's going to be attrition. Like we're going to have a lot of attrition before something actually happens. Because like when I, when I've started to think about it more so now, this has actually happened already. And I don't know why I didn't think about it before, but it's actually already happened. And wow. Um, do you guys remember, like, if I remember correctly, someone correct me on the server name. But was it, um, what was the name of uh, Swifty's main, Daramaktir, Daramaktir? That Swifty's main PvP guild. I know there was a, a bunch of PvP. Daramaktir, from what I understand, was a server with, or a uh, server, a, uh, with, I think it was Swifty and a bunch of other of the big name, like I'm a PvP Zyback, player. People. Yeah, Zyback was um, there too. Um, I don't know exactly what happened uh, to that guild. I I was on the server with Darum uh across several. I games, was as well, <laughs> um, and and played uh, against them uh, many on many occasions. Um, and I don't know what happened to that guild, uh, but basically the guilds that that like Daramactire, uh, the two sort of things happen, and this is also another thing I'm worried about, like. So Asmongold's this big streamer, right? And everyone's watching him play Classic WoW and do PvP. But, you know, originally, before he, you know, signed up with these other streamers to do PvP, his opinion was, I wanted to go to a PvE server so I don't get ganked. And every time I see him get ganked, he gets really frustrated. And I don't blame him because, you know, this is his stream. He doesn't want his content interrupted. Um, in anything, And I'm not saying he would. I don't know him. I can't speak for him. But there's this uh, worry that, you know, one big streamer with the majority of bringing the majority of the population to his server just goes to another server, goes to a PvE server. And then the balance is all out of whack again. Um, and it's been the opinion of me and uh, the, my friend group who's trying to figure out what, where we're going to go is that it's too volatile. It's better to pick a server that doesn't have streamers on it just because you don't know what's going to happen. But here's the worst part about that for me is that um, like it's kind of like their opinion of uh, Blizzard's opinion of RP PvP for me. They're like, oh, we'll figure it out after. And it's like, it's not going to work like that. Like you're really going to expect people are going to join an RP PvE server and then switch to another server. Like it's, it's not going to happen. People I think that aren't going to switch. I think that they're looking at the past and they're saying people are willing to pay over and over and over again for server transfers, expensive server transfers. Um, and I think that they're kind of right. I think that they're right that there's a subset of the population like me that will pay to lots of money in order to chase wherever the best PvP is, no matter what server it's on. Um, but uh, there's a lot of people that are just going to throw up their hands and say, I'm not going to level again, especially in Classic WoW, where it's such a huge right. commitment. You can't just boost a character on a new server. You can't level a new character in a couple of days playing casually. Um, it's a huge commitment, and I think a lot of people are going to get really frustrated whenever they get to level 40 and 50 uh, a weekend and say, my server's trash. I can't, I can't do PvP here because my population is unbalanced. They're just going to quit. It's a hidden. It's a hidden uh, thing. I, I okay. I, I like to say it's hidden because they don't hear people talk about it a lot. But it's kind of one of those sneaky, like silent killers. But very often times, people do quit because of the servers, and it's so crazy to think about because it hasn't really happened to me before. I guess I've been really lucky in which servers I've chosen. 
But think about how many MMOs out there have existed where people have joined servers and then had to go join another server because either it shut down or or that server was completely dead. Now imagine that on the scale of WoW and imagine that with like streamers and all of this other stuff. If a streamer guild, which is the point that I was bringing up with Darren McTire, was that they were the streamer guild essentially. When they left that server, the server never functioned the same way again. It was just never the right. same server. So it's just like imagine... Uh, here's a, a scenario that's very realistic could happen. What if we joined a server and it turns out we joined a server where there's like maybe nobody really knows how to PvP on the Alliance side. So it ends up just us like stomping everybody. So we're like, okay, well, we don't want to just destroy everybody and have no challenge. So why don't we um, transfer to another server with more competition? But you can't do that because even if you do do it, like you said, all the time spent you have to spend all that time to like make these other characters. If they don't let you uh, transfer your character, if they do, that also is kind of negative. Some people are kind of against that as well because they see the ability to transfer your character as kind of a way to escape criticism or kind of a way to escape the, the good old-fashioned uh, uh, blackball. <laughs> right. Well, that was the original uh, sort of that's a very old school mentality, uh, and I don't disagree with it. It certainly happened is, is always been a, a, a problem with the system is that uh, you sort of develop a reputation on your server. And what people would do is like I ninja looted, you know, um, the eye of sulfurous or whatever. Now I'm going to server transfer and be a new person. Um, but I think that the biggest problem with server transferring is no longer that at least it might be again with classic WoW because community is so much stronger and because master loot is going to be back in the game presume. Um, and I think that might be a problem, but I think the bigger problem is that allowing people to server transfer will inevitably create the, the hub server problem that we discussed. Yeah, it will. And then there's also, I mean, like we said, there's faction imbalance. There, there, there are some real issues that even though wow, classic has obviously been successful before, they're still going to have to deal with. And I think it's going to be interesting to watch unfold because how often, first off, do we have to see or do we get to see uh, somebody deal with this stuff in like a live setting? It doesn't really happen. Like you don't really see a lot of MMO developers re relaunch like a successful launched game. before. Like, I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I can't think of a precedent. Like there's not really a precedent no. for such a thing there. I don't think that there is. And, uh, it's being so new uh it while we can speculate and we have good reason to assume that uh, things are going to pan out the way they are with server population it is a totally new ex new experience it's it's never been done before and there's and that uncertainty of like you know how that's going to affect our game is causing a lot of anxiety um Unfortunately, like I said earlier, I think that this is not a problem that's going to get solved. Uh, whenever times are good, it's going to take it's going to take breaking the game for Blizzard to do something about it. Uh, because they see the money rolling in from the server transfers and they say everything is fine. People are people are fine. I think that's like for me, like the the two points of contention most for me at the moment concerning Classic WoW is probably going to be considering um, the roleplay PvP, right? Because to me, again, that's just a big part. It's just one of those things where it's just like, I feel like if they don't do it, it, it just seems like a missed opportunity, like a big missed opportunity. 
but I obviously, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not going to cry if they don't do an RPVP server. I just feel like if they don't do it at launch, they should just forget about it because nobody's going to waste their time, um, really, at least. Um, I think it's kind of a no-brainer that they would do one because, frankly speaking, I would make a lot of content on that damn server, okay? <laughs> I, um, I don't know. I, I think that, you know, adding a... Because you think about it in this way. Uh, let's say the future pans out the way we predict and we end up with these hub servers and everyone's mad because Blizzard isn't doing anything about it and there's no, there's no sense of faction balance and people are ready to quit. Or maybe some a lot of people have quit. Um, and then you then you drop, okay, we're going to release RP PvP servers. Maybe people decide, okay, I'm frustrated, but I'm going to give it one more shot. This is a chance to restart and try to try to do things right. And maybe the community gets around, well, we're going to try to set up an Emerald Dream here where everything's bound. Um, so maybe it would be a good thing, but I'm on your side. I would rather they just start with them and, and, and then fix the issue that, that's the root cause. I think it's because, like, Maybe, at least I, I can speak for myself here. I, I look at it almost like from the perspective of we've already seen old school uh, RuneScape sort of do something like this before where, you know, they had this old school game. Next thing you know, the uh, classic RuneScape and even just modern RuneScape doesn't really shake out anymore. Classic doesn't exist anymore. Uh, modern isn't as popular. RuneScape 3 isn't as popular, etc. Um and and obviously Jagex kind of realized that was their golden goose and it very much was right after they did their mobile launch it was you know hugely successful all of that good stuff it makes me think about Blizzard and and kind of how how they're going to handle their launch and I think about like you, you know when you talk about certain points of um uh marketing in the lifespan of an MMO Obviously, before launch, right at launch, right after launch are huge parts of advertisement. That's usually when you're going to pick up the majority of the people to play the game or try it out for the first time. What I'm wondering, and hear me out on this, is like, I wonder if down a year or a year down the line, how is Blizzard going to keep that part up? Like, I wonder how they're going to advertise their game. Like, I'm I'm really eager to see how they're going to choose to advertise it. Do you mean in modern or in for classic? For classic. Like, are they going okay. to have a big push towards that? You know, like, how are they even going to handle advertising in a weird way, almost like against their own game? That is, that is, uh, it is weird in that they sort of cannibalize their modern uh, content, modern audience, pushing people towards classic, particularly, you know, since classic is a, as far as we know, classic is going to be classic. They're not going to add anything onto it. If anything, they're going to add, you know, uh, a TBC server and then a Wrath server or whatever. But all of those things, it just it takes away the audience from their modern, uh, from their modern content that they're creating, which devalues that content. Why should we spend so much money making that new content when we can very cheaply rehash the old content and push players over there? Um, it does it does beggar the question. I think that there's also the issue of the fact that, um, like uh, people have been saying, what if they decided to make modern more like classic, and that's how they do it? Well, you know, obviously we all hope that they take the the, the uh, we, they learn from their experience with classic, and they take uh, the modern game in a more classic direction, at least with the features that we like. Um, the problem that I foresee with that is that they're already probably in development for their next expansion. You know, are they going to cut off, you know, development for that expansion in order to 
work on a more classic version of modern. I feel like it's a big workflow problem, especially with the timing of classic and the timing of the next expansion. Yeah, you you know, like the, the, we talked, I think we, you and I have talked about um, developer made content before, but I never thought about it in this context. How are they going to make more developer made content for a game that's no longer actively being supported as the main source of revenue? within like the same stable house as like the other game because you know you have the modern version and then you have the classic version uh hear me out on this what if at some point and by all you know measures it looks like this could be soon but we'll see what if at some point the modern crowd is kind of like hey whatever you're selling us right now is not working so we're gonna go play classic wow and at that point blizzard's in a weird position we can keep making content for classic wow or sorry for for uh, modern wow but obviously it's not going again i don't know for sure yet they could save it you never know a blizzard but right now it's not trending upward so maybe it doesn't look like the best thing for them to do um but maybe they 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 uh sorry what was i saying before that i i sidetracked myself mm. about to make a um a point about the um... oh that's right if if there's not enough of a modern audience then wow is not going to be able to make enough money um right because currently right now right. yes classic wow is going to be big and yes people are going to be excited about it but we can't say for sure it's just going to re like replace modern wow like there's no evidence to suggest yeah, that yet. i don't think it's safe to assume that but what my i guess the sort of the read if you sort of take what I said earlier and uh, put it all together, um, my to put a finer point on my workflow uh, issue that I pointed out, uh, my big the the worst case scenario for Blizzard is that um, they see that Classic is really successful and they decide, okay, we're going to remake Modern WoW to be better in the way that people like Classic. Okay, but we're already halfway through making um, this expansion. So what do we do? Well, I guess we cut off um, development for this expansion and we kind of have a Warlords of Draenor um, where we sacrifice content for this expansion to make the next expansion. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty positive that a, a significant portion of the population that are going to try Classic are going to bounce off of it. They're not going to... Uh, they're not going to stick with it. Uh, and that's not, a, that's not wrong. It's just not for them. Um, so around the time that they're going to start getting tired of uh classic they're going to want to go back to modern but now they now they're going into modern into a half finished expansion that they're kind of working on a, a better version of it for the future so now they have this you know sort of uh stepping in a hole over and over again where they now they've they're losing players in classic going into a modern version that's half finished because they're working on a better um i feel like they're kind of in a, a difficult position if they choose to go that way Let's also just talk about monetization. That's that's really what I'm trying to hammer at is how are they how are they going to make money when they're basically like their own competition? Because if right. if if Modern WoW is not the one that's the breadwinner, that actually is like very problematic for them, right? Because it means that they're going to have to change the way that they do content. They're going to have to change their kind of whole approach to everything and maybe even consider doing original, you know, vanilla content or TBC or or whatever else um 
that's what I'm thinking about. It's kind of like the monetization aspects. I keep bringing that up. And I know everybody talks about what happens after two years. What happens after a next year? Like, I get that has been asked a lot. And I'm there, we're nowhere closer to figuring that part out. Um, but I, I, I guess I'm just wondering how they're even going to make uh, money off of it. Because once well, Classic WoW, if it does, if it did make more money than Modern WoW, I don't know. I feel like Blizzard would do something about that. Right, I agree with you, and that's why I'm saying that they're they're in a tough position because if they try, like I said, they tried to do that. You know, there's this concept whenever you're making these sort of business decisions, and you say, well, you know, one product is going to cannibalize uh, consumers from the uh, sales from the other product. Um, well, there's sort of an evaluation that has to take place. Um, it, we can ignore the cannibalization effect if our competitors are going to release a similar product. But that's not going to happen. So we can't ignore cannibalization if you're going by the text. Um, so then what do you do? Well, then you have to evaluate sort of the, the return on investment of the two projects. And you either diminish or kill the project um, that's making less money. Because if you're cannibalizing, you know, past a certain point, it just doesn't make sense anymore. I guess it just depends what's going to be ultimately the, the make or break here is number one, um, how deep is the cannibalization effect, right? Like how much sales are they going to lose on modern from class? That's going to be a big point right there. And the other point is then how committed are the, the developer uh, now that a lot of the uh, older people who started World of Warcraft are gone? How committed are they to keeping World of Warcraft modern going for the sake of profits or classic for the sake of uh, just for the sake of itself if it isn't making profit? Yeah, and and I think it's 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 easy for some people to kind of leave it as like, oh, we'll just leave it leave it classic, um, but like, can we just have the you know the discussion that maybe that's not really mature to think of it in that way? Because like, do we really think in 2019 that Blizzard is just going to leave it the same forever and never do anything, never change anything, never add anything? I mean. I don't think anybody really has that opinion, but I, I do see it mentioned a lot of, you know, obviously I'm not even going to get to the, uh, get into the whole no changes thing, but yeah, I would say largely I'm, I'm in agreement with you. I'm really looking at this from multiple different angles. I'm looking at it from like an artistic standpoint. Can this old piece of work still stand the test of time? That perspective, uh, which is also kind of historical. I also look at it from the perspective of precedent, like ha this really hasn't even been done before and it ha certainly hasn't been done by Blizzard. <laughs> so we get to see this whole thing unfold for the first time um, for many of us. Uh, I mean, for just about all of us for the first time. And then there's also that whole idea of what comes next. And the most exciting thing that I can wrap this up with for me about Classic WoW is just simply speaking that uh, it's the most exciting thing about classic wow for me is that change it just it, it's weird right because it's classic mm -hmm. it's the game people played before they don't really want a whole lot of changes and yet it feels like it's something new and i think it's just because it's one of those things where you know that when it happens in the industry something has to happen <laughs> as, a, as think, a conclusion you know uh thinking about it now i think regardless of what how successful classic is as poorly performing as as uh the latest expansion is i think they're going to have to do a major overhaul and hopefully uh to put a to put a tack on this conversation i think that hopefully we don't end up with a lame duck uh expansion like uh warlords of draenor uh because of um but you know hey the cla there's classic there to entertain at least those of us who really enjoy yeah i think of it as like you know, i can't tell you 
once Classic comes out, or at the end, like, I can't tell you if after the end of the year I'll still be playing the game. I don't know that yet. Like, there's just too many Me factors either. that go into it. But I can tell you this much. If Blizzard came out and made a statement and said, here's what we're going to do, here's the plan for content or the future, and this is what we have in mind, that would make me a lot more confident and a lot more willing to stay playing the game. But I just don't want to personally, again, this is my personal opinion, I'm not going to continue to play the game for some years on end because it's like, even if I didn't get to go through the original classic experience, I did play TBC and I did play a lot of WoW. So eventually it is going to reach a point where it's like, okay, now what? We've gotten certain honor ranks. We're one of the better guilds on the server. Now what? We can go down the same old content trip, which I'm totally fine with doing, because I also know that it means that... Actually, you know what? Before I, I say goodbye to you, there, there's something that people mention a lot when it comes to WoW Classic. They they talk about, okay, so let's say like WoW Classic comes out, and then it, it does the way that it does. How is it going to affect the market as a whole? Like overall, like is it what way is it going to affect the market? People are thinking that it's like the same old, same old. So it does the same old, same old mean we're going backwards or does it mean we're going forward? I think you see copycats like Blizzard has always been, been. It's been done because of Blizzard. Blizzard releases, you know, the World of Warcraft. You see World of Warcraft clones, etc. You see the Over, Overwatch, you see the Hearthstone clones. Um, I think you see classic clones. Uh, again, I don't think that it's going to be as successful as classic. It just, I think it's too tough to recreate. But uh, what I what I'd like to leave you with uh, is this: is a lot of my friends have expressed what you're expressing, which is, what do we do when it's all over? Well, I don't wouldn't worry too much. At the end of the day, all of that is going to take a long time to do. It's going to take you, you know, a year or more to do all of that. And when was right. the last time we sat down and consistently played an MMO for a year? It's been a long time since I've done it. I don't know about you. <laughs> So uh, I'll I'll be happy. I think I'm gonna be happy pretty much no matter what for a while. And and that's kind of why I've been like laughing silently. Is like I'm getting a lot of you know, frankly speaking, there's kind of like both sides. There's the whole where people are either like, hey, you should love classic or be so excited for classic. Wow, I'm not going to say whether or not you should or shouldn't. Right? Um, you're not really gonna have a choice though. If you like MMOs, you're going to follow WoW Classic, and that's what I think is re- again another really interesting thing about it is all eyes are going to be on deck. Everybody's going to be watching. Whether you're a WoW fan, whether you're you know whoever else, just some random person on Twitch, people are going to be seeing about what you know what what is this game about? What is Classic WoW about? And that brings more attention back to MMOs. And frankly speaking, as you said. The simplest thing, which is the thing that I said that I was like silently chuckling about, is people will be like, oh, yeah, but what are you going to do after this amount of time, this amount of time? And I'm thinking to myself, hmm, so I get six months to a year of enjoyment or so before I have to then figure out what's next. It's like, I mean, generally speaking, most of us are going to take that deal. I think that's a pretty good deal, even if I only enjoyed the game until the end of the year uh, this year. Let's say 2020 comes around, all of a sudden I'm bored, I want nothing to do with Classic WoW. I still put six months or something into the game. Like, there's still so much to play and experience. Especially at $15 a month. I play PlanetSide and I can't... I've, I've spent... Um... I've spent a regretful amount of money uh, on that game because of its uh, pay, the way that that system is monetized. At $15 a month, I think uh, six to uh, six months to a year is a, is a great deal. Um, but I've got uh, I've got stuff to do today, so I'm gonna leave you off on that. 
Uh, thank you for letting me on. And uh, by the way, I think that the uh, proposed project of sort of setting the terms for these conversations uh, and defining our terms is an important one. I'd love to contribute to that if uh, you end up publicly posting what you're working on. Maybe I can shoot an idea your way. Okay, yeah. I'll actually, I'll give you a little bit of insight into how we're, we're going to end up doing it. We, we had an idea of doing it sort of like how another series uh, does it. Did I know or did you know gaming? They're a pretty well-known YouTube series. The way that they do it is they allow their, um, their audience to vote. And it's just that it's an option between two different um, terms. So like the way we would do it is it would be vote for RPG as a term versus like voting for maybe roguelike or roguelite or whatever the other term is. And, and then it's going to kind of go like that. And the idea is that as as I bring in more people to the channel, they hopefully will be able to cover their own terms, if that makes sense. So like whenever somebody comes in and they're like the shooter person. Maybe they only make videos about shooters and that's kind of like their main squeeze. Because I know a good amount about shooters, but is it my main squeeze? Probably not. If I found somebody else who could make content about such a thing, that's kind of the idea of it as well. So the um, the term idea, the interesting thing that I'll leave you with, and thanks for um, stopping by, by the way. Everybody, please thank you, Lissus, for stopping by and having more discussion about classic. Because l- let's just be honest, we're going to be talking about it for the next two months, right? <laughs> We're going to be talking a lot about hypotheticals because we're just not really sure how things are going to go down um, yet or so far. But um, anyway, I'll just I'll leave it at at that. Um, Thanks for stopping by and asking a question. I appreciate it or asking some questions and and, uh, having some interesting dialogue, man. I, I always appreciate it. Thanks. Goodbye. No problem. Yeah, lots lots of interesting stuff. Um, I know lots of hypotheticals. Many of us are wondering what's going to happen. Um, but man, it it just it has me thinking that I think right now the the future for me with WoW content is going to be I want to make a video that outlines my thoughts. Um, that I've kind of spoken to you guys a lot about, but outlines my thoughts on why I think classic WoW is important for the genre as a whole. Like the MMO genre as a whole is benefiting from this. And that's kind of like one of the arguments I'm going to make in one of my videos. I also wanted to do a video on uh, they should do an RP PvP server, in my opinion. Um, but to to go into a little bit more detail about what I want, I didn't want to um, hold uh, Ulysses on there for too long. But I mentioned this term idea, and it's it's a it's a it's an idea for making a video series that's based around explaining uh, different terms. It's almost like a game archaeologist sort of thing of sorts, and. Um, the interesting thing about it is that currently speaking, the the person who's going to voice and write the series, um, okay, I take that back. Maybe I'll I'll write at least you know somewhat, or at least maybe like the structure. I don't know yet, but uh, we might have somebody else on the mic. I've been working with somebody who's been helping me edit for a while now, and I've mentioned how I've wanted to create more you know content on the channel. And frankly speaking, I can't create it all myself. We actually have another uh, potential content creator we've already been working with in-house. And so that's one of those uh, ideas. Um, I need to don an Indiana Jones outfit. (laughs) I mean, I don't want to go into what the ideas are yet because we have some good ones and it's not completely figured out yet. We don't have it ironed in. um, Sorry, ironed out in terms of particular details. But it's going to be pretty simple, like, uh 
I would say a pretty simple format. The way that the term series would work is kind of like this. I'm I'm running through trying to see how I... Sorry, I'm looking at a previous message. So it would be the meaning of the subject, the history of the subject, right? The term, that sort of thing. How and where is it used in today's, uh, you know, um, today's world? Uh, what is its influence currently? And then we can also talk about maybe has the role or meaning of the word changed since its inception? Maybe it will change in the future. Um, so say, for example, if we took Souls-like, we could talk about the meaning, we could talk about how it evolved from the Dark Souls games, what came before that, a little bit of their history, why it was so revolutionary, and then, you know, talk about how the term is used today. Maybe it's not used properly. Souls-like is kind of a meme nowadays. People use it almost too much, so. So that sort of stuff, right? You <laughs> to stop hogging all the call-in time. <laughs> I'd love to call in and have a conversation around terms and game philosophy once we both have thought about it more. Uh, no, yeah, for sure, absolutely. Between you, Rippies, Limpos, and myself, I think we've had enough discussions about uh, terms and if we should have discussions about terms that actually have discussions about terms. <laughs> we've had enough hypotheticals to have real discussions. No, I'm just kidding. Um, by the way, guys, we are at 42 subs. That's 42 out of 50 subs. Uh, we are eight subs away from me doing a Mafia stream on Friday. So you have between now and that Friday, unless I somehow lose some subs uh, within that time, which is very possible because the end of the month is coming, that I could do a Friday stream uh, playing some Salem, playing some Mafia on some different uh, forums, perhaps. Sorry, different websites. Um, those, I think Salem right now, besides that recent uh, scare that they had with their data, is probably one of the better experiences of Mafia, but um, I'll, I'll check out other other games if you guys are willing to as well. I'm running away from you a lot. I can't handle that, that many hypotheticals. <laughs> I don't blame you. With how games are casualized, Souls like today basically means that you can lose something by dying. And, and that's something that we want to outline in the video is kind of how maybe the word used to, or the term used to mean something, but kind of means something else now. And that needs to be pointed out so people can kind of understand the history. Uh, or is it the epistemology? Is that the term? The epistemology of the word? What is Nerds of the Round? I don't think I've heard of that one. Hey, thanks. But you've got the wrong guy. I'm good at shooting people, cracking wise, and pretending to know how to fight with my hands. Looks like a podcast. It's also an episode of Storage Wars, apparently. Thank you for that uh, Twitch Prime subscription, Ace, by the way. I appreciate that. Here's your Fedora tip. Let tip for Lamate. How would you solve the empty neighborhood feel of persistent player housing in MMOs? Well, you have to make player housing useful. And you have to make it an integral part of the game. I mention this a lot, and I feel like I don't mean to sound like a broken record, so I'm sorry if I, if I ever retread any ground. But the single most important thing about an MMO is the more that you make it like a real world, the better it's going to come across and the, less, the least problems it's going to have in regards to maybe some of its community aspects. <clears throat> so an example of this is like, in Star Wars Galaxies, there was a lot of empty housing. And it's a shame because player housing is a huge part of that game and was always a huge part of that game. So how do we fix the problem of player housing just being scattered all over the place? Well, a simple solution, just like in real life, is taxes. 
you have to pay taxes. The problem with that is that people get a lot of money, they pay a lot of taxes, and then they don't use it. And that's even worse than just not using. Because by not or by by paying for it, by not actively using it, you are occupying uh, space in a world that you're not actually like um, involved in, if that makes sense. It's kind of like if I were to buy property in the middle of like Los Angeles and then just say, hey, I'm not going to participate in this city. It's like you can't really do it. You know, like it wouldn't really happen in the real world. At some point, I would have to rely on the city, right? Even if I'm in like my own territory of sorts. So I think that, um, do you think I suggested Six Pixels Under not checking if it existed? <laughs> I'm sure you checked if it existed. Don't worry, I have faith in you. So in order to keep player housing relevant, you have to make it fun. So it has to be about vanity, has to be about fun, has to be about customization, all the cool aspects. Maybe you can make your house look a certain way, certain colors, size of house, right? It has to be maybe a money sink, a time sink. It needs to take time, money, and effort in order to acquire a house. Otherwise, if everybody's just given one, then nobody really cares about them. And that's kind of why I really dislike these games that give you these like instance houses. Everybody gets it. And it's basically all the same. It looks the same. There's barely any customization. At that point, if I'm not going to be living in my house in actuality, I don't really want to, to have the house like handed to me on a platter. And what I mean by that is like in the real world, would I like a house handed to me? Absolutely. Is it going to happen? Unfortunately not. Nobody's going to give me a free house. But in video games, you can basically get free houses, and they ended up getting treated like free houses, uh, or like anything that's given away for free, typically, which is kind of like you're not really valuing it as much. And so in order to keep making player housing viable, you have to make sure that players can either get by by playing the game solely from a player perspective, and I mean doesn't have to rely on NPCs. You don't have to rely on developer-made content. Maybe you can get all of your experiences from a player town. If that's possible, think about it. If a player town can essentially um, replicate what an NPC town does for a player, maybe their gear, crafting, questing, whatever other other uh, uh, category you have, it's going to be pretty hard to, to not make that place a center of activity. I mean, again, galaxies, to bring it back to galaxies... Why were Star Wars Galaxies, or sorry, why were cities in Star Wars Galaxies so active? It's because you could live there, you could travel there, you could store your stuff there, you could get buffed there, you could talk to your friends, you could join a guild, um, you could go see a doctor, go see the governor, um, PvP, PvE, you name it, right? There was You could do basically everything out of a city. So you have to make it to where, just like in the real world... How do you make a city, how do you make housing good? How do you make it feel persistent? How do you make it matter? Well, scarcity of resources, right? If there, Sorry, if there's a scarcity of resources, well, then you kind of need to hoard whatever you do have, like a squirrel, in your house. So maybe you need a place to put all of your loot. Maybe you need a place to put all of your, um, all of your junk or whatever else, all of your money and, and, and things like that. So it's how can I, on a day-to-day -day basis make somebody need either the use or could benefit from using player housing. And I know that sounds really overly technical and sounds overly complicated, but to put it simply, as I always say, in most cases, if you have a question of how a social feature can work in an MMO, 
the simplest solution or the simplest answer, which doesn't necessarily mean it's easy, but it just means it's a simple answer. The simplest answer is to look at it and think about it from a social perspective. So if you ask the question of how can player housing in an MMO work properly? Like how can you not just abandon it? How is it not going to be useless or a waste of time for from developers? And the simple reason is, is just like in the real world, you have to make somebody feel as if a house or a place of residence is as important, if not more important, than it is in the real world. And again, there's many ways to do that. There's rested XP, there's storage, there's resources, scarcity, there's activities, there's fun things like community, social interactions, um, all of that sort of stuff. So, anyway, speaking of which, since we are about uh to the point to where i would like to open up the floor questions i'll go ahead and do that i will be switching over the segment to um the call-in segment if you have any questions you'd like to ask me about anything um feel free to ask me now i will let you guys have another maybe 13 to 20 i'd say about 20 more minutes or so so feel free to spend the next 20 minutes asking me whatever questions you have. If you guys don't have any questions, I'm probably just going to off the cuff for a bit just so we have um, some more discussions before I say goodbye. It is Memorial Day, so once again, thank you um, to those who are watching now live, who have been watching live, or are watching after the fact. If you're just watching, period, I appreciate the support. And again, support goes to uh, those out there involved in the military. Thank you for your service, and thank you for those who have been lost. Down with taxes. As long as it isn't like Arcage, where you just have to use your house as a resource. <laughs> Arcage was cool because it was like, at least people still went to their, their, their house. Like, that's what I liked about Arcage, because as a PvP player, that was basically the only reason why i cared about player housing in that case was at least players had a reason to be at their house so i could pvp alanos born 1991 says what's the end game future look for mmos in the future ready player one movie where it's vr and we can make our characters look however we want i mean i personally think that that's the future but if you're going to ask me like how future are we talking here we're talking quite a while I mean, cloud technology is just taking off like now, I would say, like really taking off and becoming more uh, normal place. Server technology like spatial OS is going down. So cost is is lowering. Technology is increasing. Um, I think if I remember correctly, Oculus just put out a new uh, headset that's cheaper and has an LCD screen inside of the headset itself. So I don't even think you need uh, any other uh, things with it. You just need the headset itself. Then it has like the two little controllers. And now you can play VR games on the PC using that. That like innovations like that, more readily accessible and cheaper alternatives to VR and virtual reality. Obviously, those are going to be big barriers uh, for how an MMO could work in the virtual reality world. Currently, right now, the number one aspect of why a virtual reality MMO is not in the realm of possibility anytime soon is simply speaking, just technology. This is me speaking from my experience on the floor at E3. I got to speak to people who work in VR themselves and, and got to experience many different games. You know, I would, I would actually argue cutting edge VR uh, technology as well. Me experiencing all of that, I am no closer to thinking that we're that much closer, if that makes sense. I, I see some of it. I see the inklings, right? 
I see uh, maybe some of that Matrix stuff where you think about plugging into some realm and being able to load in. Like, I see aspects of it. Obviously, we've flirted with the ideas and sci-fi and movies and that sort of stuff. But if I'm going to have, like, a real discussion about it, we're pretty far. Like, virtual reality is pretty far from working. And the simplest reason, as I said, is just cost. It's going to be expensive not only to create such a game. It's going to be uh, expensive to play such a game. Even buy an oculus you're already going to spend a couple hundred dollars that's not counting a gaming pc which you're going to need to play a vr mmo so you're going to need a damn good gaming pc you're going to need an oculus rift you're going to need a copy of the game you're going to need a a lot of time on your hand probably a lot of patience maybe a a space big enough to stand in right because not everybody has enough space that they could just move around and do virtual reality in there's a lot of uh conceptions and, and sorry um there's preconceptions but there's a lot of uh, things that you have to watch out for when you think about VR and what it would take for VR in an MMO world or realm to even just function. And even just currently right now, the only VR that we have in a massive format isn't massive yet. It's just kind of like multiplayer. Like we have like chats and live chats and VR chats and things like that. But we don't have, you know, real like multiplayer quality AAA VR experiences. We don't really have any of those yet. So until those come, we're a ways off from VR MMOs. Theoretical question. What kind of game should be like to move WoW from... Or what kind of game should... What kind of game... Sorry, Rammies. What kind of game should be like to move WoW from the top spot? Are you saying what sort of game would unseat or usurp WoW, if you will? I, I want to get some clarification on, on what you're asking. For me, ad- uh, to adopt VR, it has to be wireless with spatial awareness on the high end. Yeah, it, it, it would. I mean, currently right now, that's another issue, right? We have to outline is spatial awareness. Like, people are getting sick playing VR games for too long. MMOs require a lot of commitment. An MMO probably requires the most commitment out of any other game I could think of personally, Right. What game do you have to spend 20, 30 hours just leveling out of the starting zone? Like leveling out of the starting zone. Not a whole lot of games. (laughs) I just imagine really buff nerds because they grind VRM. (laughs) I mean, hey, if that's what it takes to get people active, physically active, uh, caring about their health, and maybe even just losing a couple pounds, hey, I'm all for it. If, if, If they can design a treadmill to work in a VR game... And in a VR MMO, you actually have to walk on a treadmill in order to walk somewhere. I'm all for that. <laughs> not my not my native language, and sometimes I'm very clinky with words. Oh, no, it's okay, man. I, I think I kind of understand what you're saying. You're basically saying, like, what would it take to kind of usurp WoW? At this point, it wouldn't take a whole lot. And I know that sounds weird because you're like, come on, WoW is the most popular game. Yeah, but... It's kind of at the lowest it's been for a number of years. I mean, I think somebody pointed this out last time. But in regards to, wow, um, the population is the lowest it has been for a number of years. I mean, I think four to five years at this point. So it's been a number of years. And uh, wow is still continuing to chug on. So I think it's going to take surprisingly not as big or popular as an MMO as you might think to, un- to, to usurp the game. I think it's kind of already seeing itself out the door, and I think that's why it's having this natural progression towards maybe more classic-style content. 
because it's realized that the conclusion that it's already taken to its full conclusion, if you will, like WoW in its modern state, it's taken it to its full conclusion. It's very hard for them to go backwards. That's why I think it's more likely that they don't go backwards. They just, you know, they went back to classic. It's much easier than like, how do we rework flying? How do we change the way systems work? How do we redo LFR? Like, it's just too hard to reverse engineer a game versus just like starting from like a basic point and being like, okay, from here on, now what? I think Super Bunny Hop actually mentioned losing weight having played a bunch of VR. Hmm, that wouldn't surprise me. What do you think of playing an MMO while walking the street with AR glasses? <laughs> it just makes me think of Dreamfall chapters, man. I can't help it, but if anybody's not familiar with the story in Dreamfall, uh, long, whether Longest Journey, whether um, uh, The Longest Journey, Dreamfall Longest Journey, or uh, Dreamfall chapters, which any one of those games, um, Funcom or good old-fashioned uh, uh, our boy uh, Ragnar, uh, Tvjernkist. Sorry, I'm, I'm trying, man. Tvjernkist. That that the, the story in that game is essentially like you have this corporate entity who comes up with this technology, which is VR basically, but it's like VR on steroids, and it's like this dream world. And the dream world essentially becomes more applicable. Sorry, not more applicable, but more like habitable, more interesting, more desirable than the real world, right? It's kind of like one of those dystopian universes. You have this dream machine. Yeah, like Remy said, you have the dream machine. And why have your mediocre life out there in the world when you could just put that dream machine on? It plugs in, you know, turns your brain off, and the next thing you know, you're in this other world. So, I mean, it's funny you mentioned that card because, of course, I always think about it. Anytime I see dystopian worlds or whatever else, I'm just like, other people see dystopian worlds and they're like, oh my God, that's so weird. Or they look at like Black Mirror and these other different edgy like TV shows that talk about the kind of pseudo universe and the, you know, the virtual reality and augmented reality. People talk about that like it's like some really strange out there concepts. Whereas I look at it like it's just like, that's the future. It's going to be that way. Some point we're going to have uh, microtransactions where... Perhaps you pay by the hour. So next thing you know, we're going to be back to arcades. <laughs> I, I don't have any information. I'm just bullshitting at this point. But I mean, anybody, buy or sell on that. I want to hear some opinions on that. Buy or sell, we're going to go back to the, the way of arcades and pay for our time. I mean, it's already kind of that way, if you think about it. In PC bangs and other places in Asia, they're still paying for their time on the computer. Neuro network. He probably means procedurally generated neuro networks. Of, oh, I mean, shit. I don't even think I know the science enough to even explain it, let alone even know how long or how possible such a thing would be. Like procedural generation, but it adapts based on the creator's preferences. That's that. That's actually the. Isn't that the plot of um? What's that Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, where it's kind of like really trippy? Total Recall. That's like the plot of Total Recall. You're going to have this like procedurally generated like neuro uh, neuro, you know, network that's like this perfectly tailored experience to exactly what you want. Except it's going to seem so damn real like in Total Recall, you're not going to be able to tell the difference between that and reality. I'm just kidding. I'm not trying to scare you guys. <laughs> AR glasses are making quiet progress behind the scenes. Huh. 
I'll have to look into that more. When you say AR glasses, AR glasses probably have way more applicability than VR glasses, right? At this point, I think um, last time I, I heard the discussion about different tech at the moment, people were, they were kind of postulating maybe a bit of a hypothetical, but they were postulating that perhaps augmented reality is actually the, the way forward right now, at least. And it seems to be that's kind of true. Augmented reality right now is more appealing for advertisers. I think it's because it's a little bit more like realistic. But it's also kind of like um, you can find a tie-in for your app. You know, your app on your phone or whatever can have some sort of like maybe you put on glasses. It has some sort of augmented thing that changes the way. You see what I'm saying? It's much easier to change properties of something than it would be to create something from scratch. Like if I had to create a world and then send that world out to like my neural network mind device or to my headset, that's going to be pretty hard. Like, I don't know the science for it, right? But that, that'd be pretty damn difficult. But if I just have to put on glasses that makes something else look kind of different, that's a lot more realistic, right? You said WoW is dying. You said WoW is dying with population going down, making it easy for any MMORPG to take over. But what about WoW Classic? Well, I mean, WoW Classic obviously throws a wrench into all of that. But WoW Classic, as uh, Ulysses and I earlier on the podcast uh, outlined, is also potentially a uh, a killer for WoW Modern as well. It's a bit weird to think about, but WoW Classic in some ways could be the death knell or the death blow for Modern WoW. As it stands right now, unless a new expansion comes out and just drastically changes the opinions of Modern WoW, it, I think it's very unlikely that Modern WoW would be uh, successful with no changes. Um, and, I, and I think it's very unlikely that Classic WoW won't at least make them do something differently. So I guess we'll have to see. Like old school RuneScape to RuneScape 3. Yeah, you know, I think it's different than that. That's a good point. Every hole is a goal, by the way. <laughs> 69. <laughs> um. It's different though. And and this is what I've been trying to mention to people. I feel like people have this idea that Blizzard is untouchable, that WoW is untouchable. But think about it. A developer-made content game, right? In this case, WoW is a developer-made content MMO. And you guys hear me say that all the time. That basically means theme park, but I don't like seeing theme park because theme park for some reason as a term offends people. It's It's almost like for some reason, maybe some people get offended when you say they go eat fast food. In my experience, people also get offended when you say they, um, <laughs> do, do you guys get the analogy? I don't know if that analogy makes sense. You've got to unplug sometimes in order to just take a while or take a walk and smell the matrix. No king rules forever, my son. People are offended by the truth. Yeah, that's probably true. But I guess, I, like, look, WoW is a theme park game. What do you do after people don't want to play Modern WoW anymore? You can't keep making games. People aren't going to stick around, guys. Once the content stops being made, it's going to trickle out, right? It's going to fade away. This isn't Star Wars Galaxies of a 10-year-plus emulator where it's got all of these different systems that players have created like ungodly amounts of content from. It's less like that with WoW, especially Modern WoW. Modern WoW, I think, is going to have quite the fast death. Surprisingly, I think WoW Classic will actually die slower than Modern WoW. Again, unless Modern WoW can 
pull things out of his ass. At this point, I don't think it's possible. What I think is most likely at this point is that Modern WoW will try one more expansion. As Ulysses uh, mentioned, I do believe they still are in, have intentions of doing a new expansion. They will try to do a new expansion, maybe find some way to tie it in with WoW Classic. And if that doesn't do well, we're already at a dangerous uh, uh, point for Blizzard. We are already at a dangerous point because at that point, they can no longer keep making content in that same way. I mentioned this a lot, and it's because if you guys haven't seen this video, it's my best explanation of this. But if you want to understand how developers make content, how they price it, and then how they go about selling it, I would watch my Death of a Game video on uh, uh, Age of Empires Online. On Age of Empires Online, the most significant part of that video, again, if you can learn anything from that video, I'd watch my sequence, sorry, the segment, rather, where I talk about an interview, or rather, quote, the uh, producer from Microsoft, who talks about what it takes and what constitutes making content. What he mentioned is that oftentimes what can happen is that sometimes your overhead becomes too high to where you're paying so much money to create content that you can't just have a mediocre launch or or even just like a somewhat launch, like like slightly less than a stellar. It has to, you have to knock it out of the park because if you don't, you can't afford to make the content. It sounds weird, but the problem with Modern WoW and why it might actually face a faster death than most people would assume is because they can't afford to keep making that content if they don't have enough players playing the game. The main source of revenue in WoW is still subscriptions. So if there's not enough subscriptions playing Modern WoW, then how are they going to keep functioning in the same way? It's just not going to happen. If, if Blizzard decides they just want to, I don't know, leave the servers up and kind of just let it peter away like RuneScape 3 in some ways, fine. But to go back to what the question was earlier when somebody asked, could another game, you know, usurp WoW? During that time, absolutely. I think this is going to be the time between Classic and Modern WoW of are they going to pivot to Modern WoW? Sorry, are they going to pivot to Classic WoW? Are they giving up on uh, Modern WoW yet? Those are the two main questions. So the, the first question is, will they pivot to Modern or sorry, Classic WoW? And will they abandon uh, Modern WoW? Those are the two main questions. But the third question that gets introduced is, what, what about the other MMOs? Is some other MMO going to come out during this time period, maybe take advantage of this? Maybe other current MMOs that are already functioning and existing, like Final Fantasy, Elder Scrolls, Guild Wars, maybe they get some more popularity because of this. I don't know. We'll see, right? I don't know much about WoW, but WoW Classic is more sandbox than... Uh, is WoW Classic more sandbox than Modern WoW? It is, and and when people say WoW Classic sandboxy, what they really mean is that WoW uh, Classic, by comparison, is a sandbox game. <laughs> by comparison to Modern WoW, is definitely sandbox. But compared to other sandboxes, it's not a sandbox game. And this is why I keep, and I can't, I can't say it um, enough, guys. But this is why I keep talking about what next, because in a theme park game, there always is the question. Always is the question. What is next? Because there has to be a next. Without the next, there's no more content. What reason do I have to keep playing the game? The, the game itself doesn't allow for me to have enough interaction or enough experiences on my own to keep playing. And this, this goes back to what we were talking about with Ulysses about the faction system. After you do a couple Horde versus Alliance uh, faction wars, 
then what? There's no more nuance. There's no, like, well, this branch of the horde actually doesn't like this branch of the horde, and so they're fighting amongst each other. There's less nuance. There's less um, emergent gameplay. And again, emergent for the for the people who aren't familiar with the term essentially means that whenever you walk up somewhere, content just kind of happens because it just happens as a consequence of the world, right? That's emergent gameplay. That's, theoretically speaking, the best way to design your MMO because it's endless content, right? If you could design an MMO, if you could design an MMO where money wasn't an issue and you could just design a bunch of kick-ass systems, you could basically make players create their own game, right? They could create their own content. I mean, think about the world. The world kind of creates its own content. Even if I die tomorrow, the world's going to keep going. Like, it's not going to stop, right? People are going to keep making their own content. People are going to keep uh, doing things, working together, moving to certain places, having differences, uh, maybe having certain guilds or tribal, you know, disagreements and things like that. All of that is present in an MMO as well. It's just less present in a developer-centric MMO, which is a theme park game, because, again, it's a closed circuit. It's kind of like, um, you guys remember Apple and PC, the discussions that we used to have about Apple and PC? For those who don't, the discussion was simply, Apple is a closed-based system, and PC or Microsoft or whatever, you know, because they're not really their own manufacturer, right? Everyone knows how that works at this point, I'm sure. Um, but you know, Microsoft doesn't really make its own computers. So people would say, well, it's better to go with windows because it's open circuit, right? I can open my computer. I can change out my parts. I can even run Linux on it. I can do all of these different things without having to run the Apple system on the Apple computer at the Apple time with the Apple. Uh, you get, you get my point. A developer made MMO is Apple. Wow. Is Apple like these kinds of games that is Apple. That's it's, it's like the same thing for me. A sandbox game, however, it's it's more like Windows, right? It's a little bit more open ended. And yes, Microsoft does make its own devices, but it doesn't really make its own PC. In fact, I don't think any uh, of its companies currently in production make its own PC, right? Does does Microsoft make its own PC anymore? I don't think they do. I know they did at one point because I, I had a Microsoft. But I, do they even make computers themselves anymore? And I'm not, and I even just mean like a subsidiary company. Does anybody know if they own someone, like own another uh, computer company? I'm going to look that up, actually. Because I wonder, like, what the hell happened to Hewlett Packard and um, Compact Presario and all of these other companies? Do they get acquired by somebody or what the hell are they doing right now? I'm not going to waste too much time here, but I was just running through really quickly to see what companies uh, Microsoft has acquired so far. So they've acquired a lot. There's an entire list of it, so that's pretty crazy. They make Surface books. There you go. The Surface. That counts as a computer, right? Or an iPad or... Yeah, a handheld. I'd count that. Excuse me, I'd count that as a PC. HP splits. I actually work for them. Ah, okay. Hewlett Packard split. I actually work for them. Should I get on the show to explain the whole story? If you want to, sure. <laughs> if that's if that's uh, what you wanted to talk about, I think we've got some. Um, 
maybe 10 more minutes max for the podcast. So if you guys have any more questions you'd like for me to get to before I wrap things up, let me know. Didn't they acquire Nokia back in the day and run it into the ground? Damn, is that true? Did Microsoft... Yeah, Microsoft did purchase Nokia. Wait a minute. It doesn't exactly say when, though. And according to this, this is recent. Interesting. second because i haven't got to the from the vault this week i actually was gonna just save it to the end so i'll go ahead and drag in carlo luca he wanted to talk about hp and their death <laughs> hey what's up hi um yeah i'm carl lucas hey uh i've been as soon as he spoke about hp um i thought about uh how the whole story went because i worked for them i did my degree my it's like a corporate studies it's basically you work and you study at the same time and it's like three months studies go to university and then three months work and then you get money from from that and in the middle of my studies hp split suddenly everyone was part of hewlett packard enterprise which is the now a, like a split party of hp hp just just does uh hardware and H, uh, hewlett packard enterprise does like b2b stuff like business to business and okay. then they split again basically having a software side and the other um and the other side one was software side the other one was server and hardware a third the third one was consulting and now work for the consulting part which was bought again by another company which again was merged with another third company that is from germany Hmm. So <laughs> yeah, that's how <laughs> that's how it went. It's uh, disturbing, kind of. And uh, until today, nobody understands really. And everyone has like five contracts who work for the same company, but everyone has a different, uh, different contract. We work for different legal entities, basically. That's so strange. Like, is it do you? Is it really just to divide things that way? Is that why they did it that way? Like, I. I guess I don't uh, yeah, get why. so those reasons. Uh, one was HP was in a pinch uh, because I IBM was basically getting monopolizing everything. So they they thought, okay, we're gonna split up a part of us, and then we hope that Microsoft or Google or anything buy us. Hmm. Okay. And that's that was the basic plan. Didn't work out. So now we have this huge conglomerate of split parties and nobody understands how any anything works anymore yeah <laughs> it's money <laughs> it's always money <laughs> that's crazy man i appreciate you uh taking the time to share that with us <laughs> the yeah, insider no story i heard hp like yep that's that's my story i, I work <laughs> for the company <laughs> okay it, it's um it, it makes me wonder like if other companies back then, like computer companies, got involved in MMOs, like at one point, when you think about it, everybody was involved. Like all the original companies, you know, like Electronic Arts had their hands in it with Ultima. You had uh, Microsoft had their hands in it with Asheron's Call. 
which, you know, not a whole lot of people know that, but Asheron's Call was published by Microsoft. <laughs> and yeah, it's crazy to think about that in hindsight. Sorry, I just, you, you made me uh, remember that, how these big tech giants back in the day were integral, you know, in the start of the MMO, you know, genre and just industry in general. And then now it's like, you don't see them as much, which is interesting as well. You don't see them, but they are still there. For oh, example, yeah. Crisis. Yeah, for example, Crisis. Uh, the the backend server was all from HP or Square Enix. Uh, ser- uh, like the the Final Fantasy stuff. It's all all on HP backend server. So, yeah, it's like you don't see them, but they're still there. They're just on the background. They they, they just do business to business stuff because we we don't care what they do. <laughs> the companies care what they do, but we don't care. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and then not to mention, like, I, I wonder how that's going to change with uh, spatial OS and more cloud-based technology taking off as well in regards to servers and running servers and things like that. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that's not going to make HP very happy either. Well, they are going. Go, they they the, what HPE, which is the early packet enterprise, is doing is basically they're buying cloud competitors. Okay. Uh, acquiring with them, so it's not like they're sitting on on nothing. They just right the new competitors, and it's mostly it's like startups, and then they bring the the new technology, and then they fire everyone, <laughs> and just keep the technology. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like Electronic Arts as well. Uh, Microsoft yeah. has done it as well. I, I think it's funny how, and not funny in a haha way, but just in an interesting way, how much crap electronic arts kits but it's not like they're the only company who's ever done takeovers before <laughs> yep. that's it's like normal be corporate behavior as soon as you go public that's that's what you got to do you got to survive somehow yeah and especially with like when when you're you know taking on these uh pro- like electronic arts uh, to be fair i should say that they probably get more shit because people are more personal like have more personal relationships with like video games you know so it's like when a game company gets shut down or the game is or the company is working on a game and they get shut down before they even finish the game <sighs> electronic arts yes i get it they're the big bad guy and there's certainly a lot uh reprehensible about them but i mean yeah. ultimately speaking yeah the com- company acquisitions in in, in in itself is not really like doesn't mean that you're morally bad or morally good yeah. or it's and there's a difference there's a difference between electronic arts and the rest of the industry and the main difference is well uh especially in germany you have laws that you can't overwork your workers like to have crunch time if you do that you're getting sued into oblivion and uh, that goes for the rest of your packer too so if they do that they get sued to oblivion at least in europe and uh that's what I think people focus on. Not that they fire someone; it's just they behave in such a way that they first they abuse everyone and then they fire them. You know what? That's probably a good way to put it because I think about like the the biggest shutdown for me was probably Pandemic Studio. Uh, or actually, I should say the biggest acquisitions, in my opinion, are Pandemic Studios and Bioware being acquired by EA back in like. It was 05 or 06 i can't remember off the top of my head yeah, it might be. yeah but i have to look around there but i mean that's like a huge that's one of the biggest acquisitions i've seen um that still to this day is having this massive change and i th- I, I, I agree i think that that is why electronic arts is so prevalent um 
know, is Bioware really. And it, it makes me, frankly speaking, this is somewhat related to what we were talking about, but it now makes me think about, we're talking about these companies and they're having to essentially change and, and, and get with the times, if you will. That, yeah. that has me worried about other things as well, I guess. Like, but I think there's still a difference. Like one other, other difference that came, came up right now, it's like the Electronic Arts just sits on the IPs. Or you sit on sit on the IP. Either they sell it or they resell it. Microsoft too. They will not sit on IPs. They just they will market it. And EA just sits on IPs just because uh, if we can't do it, nobody's gonna do it. Right. Yeah, I I, I agree with that as well. Every games company, like if we don't do it, you can't do it. Fans do it instead of saying, "Hey, we make a contract with you, fans, and we will uh, then you can make money out of it, and we get like ninety percent out of it." Instead of doing that, being smart about it, they just sit on it and say, nope. <laughs> and every other big, uh, basically, IT industry just works together and say, yeah, we get 90%, but you can work on it. On like, that note, differences. by the way, I, I wanted to ask you a question before we uh, ended the podcast, because it's, it's pretty much related to this. What's your opinion on, um, I guess, like, uh, at, at the moment, with how things have been going, um, to, to go back to what we were talking about earlier about like server costs and and mm -hmm. changing with like the times and stuff like that i was wondering if um you think uh what what are some big ways that maybe some tech innovations you see in the realm of uh, mmos and m maybe certain things that are going to change like server wise do, do you think server side i guess i should say is going to be where the majority of the changes are in the next couple of years or are you thinking more like um uh client side i guess i'm wondering because people people often bring up technology uh, technology and cost as a main reason why MMOs can't really be, I guess, that great. And so people will true? often mention, well, server costs is why we can't have a good combat system. So it, no. it's it's my roundabout way of asking kind of like, what's your opinion on that sort of stuff? So being on the inside and knowing about a little bit of ser about servers, uh, all of that is based on your internet provider. <laughs> so if AT&T at least in America would let you build their their infrastructure correctly like in I don't know South Korea uh not none of that would matter and server is dirt cheap you have so many competitors that are trying to to fight for your for for hosting your your thing and now with yeah. Microsoft and and Google trying to have cloud cloud computing basically and taking and and just giving you like a, here you can use that without any work. It's like it's like oh it costs much yeah but you don't need to hire anyone to do that. You just take a program, you use the their API, and that's it. Else it's it's it, I, that's why when people bring this this topic up, I'm like no, it's all of that is wrong. It's dirt cheap. It's easy <laughs> to use. Everything is getting easier. There's no way it, it's not it's not getting cheaper. It's that's that's why I asked it. you honestly. Sorry, I I didn't ask it in the most like uh in the in the in the best way. I'm I'm like really tired, so <laughs> the words weren't coming out properly. But I get it all the time too, and that's why I wanted to oh. ask you because I'm sure you hear it all the time where people say, oh. like I tweeted about this recently, but. The, the main reason I hear for why MMOs can't do certain things, people always Wrong. tell me it's cost. They always tell me that. They're like, oh, it's cost. Oh, the, the, the combat sucks. It's cost. It's servers. It's this. It's that. I'm like, 
do we really know if it's those reasons? Because I'm talking to people who know a lot about servers, and they keep telling me that it's not the reason. So I don't know if I should believe them, not believe them. <laughs> it doesn't nope, seem like the the, the tech or the servers are the problem at this point. That might be the problem. For example, every time someone wants to bring up, oh, there's the WoW killer, you're not fighting World of Warcraft, the original one. You're fighting World of Warcraft plus of 15 or almost a decade of uh, development. And that decade of development, that costs a lot. Because imagine how many data engineers and programmers and designers and, I don't know, artists worked on music and 3D art and on the sprites and whatever. You're fighting against that. And that's getting here. I think that's the main problem. Server side, forget that. Like this is probably the most, the easiest and uh, most, the cheapest thing. Side development side that might be the, the that costs the most basically. Okay, and, and and like I guess if I could be more specific with that, when you say like it's it costs more from a developer perspective, you're, like let's say I'm a company and I decide I want to make a a big MMO and I need I don't know let's say ten servers or whatever, however many yeah. servers I need. Well, how do I incur the most of my cost in regards to like the development perspective, I guess? <laughs> like a game is basically made out of, you have to hire, for example, someone that writes the story, someone makes the the 3D art if you have a 3D game. Oh, so you just mean like everything, physical? like if you're just going to compare them uh, together or I guess, sorry, I meant like specifically in regards to like the, the tech aspects, like when you're... Well, the tech aspect. Well, that's getting cheaper too, because now you can just use engines that are available. There are MMO right. engines that are available. There are programming languages that, that are basically free to use for everyone. And a lot of people that doing that as a hobby and then just providing you with, with solutions that you don't have to work on yourself. So development is also getting cheaper, not as cheap as server, but cheaper nonetheless. Oh, you... Yeah, <laughs> like everything is getting cheaper. That's why every time this is brought up and people say, oh, it's costing more, costing more. <laughs> I look at it. No, <laughs> everything is getting cheaper and cheaper and less time consuming because uh, tools are getting more flexible and you can use it in every way, shape or form. Yeah, I think maybe <laughs> people just think like inflation or something. Like they just think like it's supposed to always go up. <laughs> I don't know. I thought the point of technology in some cases is like you want to save on the cost. So it's just it's funny to think about how integral uh, servers are in performance and just really the lifeblood yeah. of an MMO or the MMO genre and how little we talk about them or how little is known about them. And it, it, like talking to you today made me realize at some point, I'd like to maybe you could help me with it, but I wanted to reach out to a couple other people um, who have more experience I, 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 as well. Like I wanted to hear from other people just like yourself and their perspective about is it a tech issue? Like, you know, really no. point blank. And, and, and I think that, you know, I'm not just saying that because I agree with you, but I think largely people are going to agree. I think they're going to say it's not really a tech issue. We can't keep making that excuse. <laughs> That's what I it's think. It's not of. a tech issue. It, may, it was a tech issue when World of Warcraft started, maybe. Right. Yeah, it was a tech issue when so EverQuest, much. you know, Project 1999 wasn't designed to be 3D originally. Exactly. You know, like, like, it, it, was a, it was tech back then, but, you know, Spellborn 
which came out in like what 06 07 was already trying an action combat system uh we already had asheron's call had aimable attacks targetable attacks you could aim low high there's projectiles that you could aim in the game like <laughs> sorry like i'm ranting now uh no, you, that's you why joined... i didn't understand why like like games like star wars the old republic released in a state in which you have basically tap targeting i'm like why is this a thing not even just tab targeting but it was just it wasn't just it was tab target it, it was it was so unbelievably clunky as well yes like the hero engine clunky. felt like you were <laughs> you were playing an engine that was like from another age like it was just like why am i playing exactly. games that feel older than the ones i've already played before <laughs> especially and, if you have something like uh jedi jedi academy in which you can have actual physics and just, just just could use that and then port it into a bigger engine and like why don't you do that? It's like you spend probably three hundred million dollars on something like voice lines. You spend those three hundred million dollars in tech. Yeah, <laughs> I think you're, it exactly. would be wiser that way. Yeah, you're telling me you're telling me after your your hundred plus million that you spent on the voice acting alone, you couldn't have spent that on like I don't know getting any other engine beside the hero engine. The funniest thing about the hero engine, by the way, that cracks me up about it is that the the creator of the engine himself said that whenever he looked at what Bioware had did to the code of the engine, (laughs) (laughs) he's like, to be fair, you can blame the engine. And again, I'm not going to have that discussion. Blame the engine or you can blame the developer. Many people like to blame which or other. I don't like to blame any in particular. It's both are at fault. But he said that whenever he saw it, it it was like the worst spaghetti code he'd ever seen in his life. And I remember... (laughs) When I heard him say that, uh, like, or read him say that, I was just like, that's exactly what I felt playing the game. Like, it felt yeah. exactly how he explained it. So, yeah, that, that's a good example. Um, and I love bringing up previous examples because still in today's current day and, and age, 2019, I still get comments on the regular that say that, well, it doesn't happen because the tech. It doesn't happen because too many players on screen. It doesn't happen because of this. It doesn't happen yeah. because of that. And it's like, okay. That would be the case if all of these other games didn't exist. Just because you didn't know about these games, because nobody knows about them, they did exist. They were already done. And I bring it up all the time, and I'm I'm ranting at this point because it gets me passionate. Aventurine, a Greek company, by the way, a Greek company with barely any resources, created a fully uh, physics-based engine and then created multiple games off of it. And they had none of the resources that any of these other companies had. They had none of the money. They, they didn't even have a big publisher. They just had someone to distribute. They did it. it it's not an yeah. excuse anymore, I feel like. <laughs> I, yeah, and that, that's the point. Like, AAA, if you look at AAA industries and they, if they want to make a, a MMO, they look at the numbers and say, will it bring the most amount of money in? And the most amount of money they, they invest into is marketing. And marketing costs a, a arm and leg, mm-hmm. but you can't really prove the effectiveness of it. Right. You, you, all you have is like impressions, under, like an, but you don't know yeah, if like, like it's the same as like a customer, right? An impression yeah. isn't the same as a customer. Like imagine a game like Undertale has no marketing and still sold, I don't know, a million, over a million copies. I don't know if you even know anymore, like uh, but a huge amount of copies. And instead of focusing on first and then work on the ip they work on the ip first and then we work on the game that's a wrong approach to it it's a completely wrong approach to making games in itself 
Do you think that's why yes, oftentimes uh, it looks like developers, especially in the MMO realm, they they it looks like they, they they bit off more than they can chew. Like a lot of the times yeah. I cover these games, like you always see the same telltale signs, and it's like um there's a quote that stuck with me and will always stick with me. It's actually it's a there's a quote and then there's one that's similar to it, but it's from Todd Coleman. He said in regards to Shadowbane, and um, somebody asked him a question: Could you guys have done Shadowbane the way that you wanted to do it truly? And he's like, probably not. Like, we probably didn't have the resources. We mm-hmm. made it out of our apartment with like a fraction of EQ's budget. I think he said one tenth of EQ's budget. So he knew essentially that they were doomed. And it's like so sad to read stories and tell stories like that. But I, I had a similar experience with Asheron's Call, where it's kind of like you see that they were able to do so much and so uh, so much unique at that time. But then you also just see that the writing on the wall, you know, and you just know like, ugh. It's it's so sad to think that Asheron's call on games like that were so ambitious. They had aiming aiming systems, and you could shoot spells and projectile systems and and magic research. You had to, you had to actually figure out what spells, uh, what regents were required for each spell. Like these yeah. these sorts of things, you know, they 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 don't really exist in that same way. But it's so bold and innovative. And that game came out in 1999. So it's just always like when I when I like to talk about MMOs. People think that maybe I'm too stuck to the past. For me, it's more of like I look at the past to see what's the future. And it, and at this point, it's it's kind of sad. I think we can admit, kind of sad that we're looking back and we're seeing more in the in, in backwards direction than we're seeing in the uh, frontwards direction. <laughs> okay, okay, maybe maybe I have to because I also like I had a computer science and business major, so I have to go into the business side a little bit. Okay. Yes, as a business company. As a business, you want to make the least um, have the least amount of risk with the high, highest amount of success, which is money, basically. So why would I ever invest in something that is not tested, that is not all already successful? So a lot of people look at WoW, uh, World of Warcraft, and they see, oh, that works for them. And they, of course, they, like big, big, big businesses, of course, is not going uh, to innovate because that that is what is working over there. So we want that too. They're never going to do something else just because it's been shown that it works. The only thing that changes in the ind- is now the indie scene. Now you can have Kickstarter, Indiegogo, whatever. And now it's slowly, there's business have, uh, are seeing numbers in which there's high numbers of players playing those games. And maybe now the, the business is going to see, oh, now we have numbers, now we have statistics. Maybe we can invest again. And that's the, yeah, I don't know. Like business are dumb and the people that are behind it are even dumber because they look at statistics and they don't see uh, the uh, in Germany we have we have a saying that uh, you don't see the the forest f- uh, if there are so many trees basically. Yeah. Forest but they don't see the the single tree and that's basically it. it it's um <laughs> Chris Avalon told me this like when we when we spoke uh, a number of weeks ago. It was it was related to this exact uh, subject. He he described it as something similar where it's like he says that I mean he was just talking about development in general, but I, I kind yeah. of mentioned it uh uh MMOs and how it's a problem in in MMOs and he said, Yeah, he can really see that as well. But it, it was the idea that he brought forth where with a developer, they'll be like, Okay, or a publisher, I should say. Usually it's a publisher. They'll say, Okay, yeah. so here here's how much money we can make off of this decision. Let's do it this way. So we're gonna make a game just like this. We're gonna cast as wide as a net as we can. 
and then we're going to you know continue to 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 milk that and and games as a service all of that sort of stuff the problem with that as uh, chris pointed out is that they only think about the short short term profits they're not exactly. thinking about long term profits and that's my problem with american business in general it's just like american businesses are so obsessed with short term profits that they ignore the fact that there will there will be no more profit if you guys ruin it all and and the sorry this is hilarious to me because i just like to laugh at people in this case who i think are doing you know, a lot of bad and they're having a little bit of misfortune. Sorry, I have to laugh at Electronic Arts. I have to laugh at the whole recent uh, loot box stuff with all the legislation being yep. introduced. I'm happy. I'm so glad that they can't keep relying on this super cheap, unfair, and frankly speaking, predatory uh, business model. And I'm, I'm so glad that they can't keep relying on that and that sooner or later, something is going to change to make them not uh, be able to be so reliant on that. The problem with that is that so many people have this mentality of uh, like Rob Pardo, uh, obviously one of the main developers behind WoW, has a quote along the lines of exactly what you said earlier, actually. He says that when you're competing with WoW, you're not competing with WoW. You're competing or with WoW of four years of development. You're competing exactly. with WoW of 15 years of development. There's no way exactly. you're going to beat it in head-to-head -head competition doing what it does, right? Because it's been doing it way longer, has way more experience, way bigger budget, way bigger fanfare right way more popularity all of that sort of stuff the thing is is that so then by that nature people are like okay well let's we'll just keep doing the status quo and then try and maximize our profits off of that the thing is and i pointed this out to people and i feel like nobody's paying attention but the only mmos that are currently working under that sort of model this generalistic mmo model are the ones that have the biggest companies supporting them like i don't know why people don't realize this at this point that elder scrolls guild wars final fantasy 14 Wow, without those big publishers behind them, those games would not function in that way. They they would be completely different games. And I and I actually think, funny enough, in most cases, for the better. I think they would be better games if they weren't so tied up into this short-term monetary, you know, how can I make as much money as I can as fast as I can? Microtransactions, mobile shit, all of that stuff to me just goes hand in hand. Sorry to bring this up, but I, I think that, that there's another thing with MMOs that I it's like it's always this high fantasy stuff, science fiction, and there's no, it, no experimentation with I don't know, car MMOs like a MMO about cars or MMO about literally being a like I don't like the experimental stuff, things right. that you wouldn't expect being a being a maid, being a house cleaner, being uh, I I don't know a pop star like MMOs that like really really uh push the boundary of what that genre can bring and yeah like oh it's always the 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 business look at oh world of warcraft, world of warcraft that's high fantasy let's do high fantasy then <laughs> or i don't know star wars galaxies oh it's science fiction let's do science fiction then it's never reaching out to other stuff yeah and it's like i, I get it rust. like everyone wants to make the discussion about money right yeah. Am I lagging or are you lagging? I couldn't tell. Oh, I think I was lagging. Okay. Cause, yeah, sorry. Anyway, uh, were, were you saying something? No, you can go on. I was just going to say that. Discussion um, about money. Yeah, uh, money with MMOs. Oftentimes we're told that money is, you know, usually like the main issue. So, so people will say like, oh, well, we can't have these other things because it doesn't make money. And that would be an argument people would make for a long time. Having been someone on who's basically lived on the forums and lived on the internet since I was a, a child, 
I've seen many, 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 many times in, in, in my years, people making some level of argument to the, to the effect of, oh, well, this game doesn't work because it wouldn't be popular. Therefore, no one would pay it um, and, and it wouldn't make any money, right? You've heard this. I'm sure all of you have heard this at some point. You've heard this argument made. The thing that I hate oh. the most about this argument is that it's not made with any like real actual basis. It's just people say it whenever they don't think it's popular. And so people just use popularity as a means to determine whether or not something's good. And I know people have heard this before. Pop music is the biggest example of this. Big B movies like Transformers are big examples of this. I'm not saying this is new to people, but it's just like it's one of those things where if you're going to say it is about money, you kind of have to be specific because is it money in regards to development? Do they not think they're going to get enough players playing the game? Or what if I told you that the reason isn't money, it's that that they want more money? <laughs> no, I think no, no, not more, not more money, all the money. Yeah, I think that's what Chris not, Avalon not... said. He's he's like they don't just want more of the money, they want all of the money. <laughs> not not even that, not even all of the money, not even all of the money, an unconceivable amounts of money. There is no, there is no enough money. There's no such thing as enough, and. I think that's the point. Like a TV series or however call Americans call it, like TV shows. Um, it's TV shows that go forever without having an ending planned. They have the same problem, an end goal. If you want, for example, make a, a sandbox MMO, you have to have like a finish line which you can reach and then leave the game alone and basically have a. I don't, I don't know, uh, maintenance mode, like you call it, when there's no active development. And for for a team parks MMO, there, there must be the same thing. At some point, there must be a finish line because if you keep spending money into it, at some point, there will be no return anymore. And that has to, has to be planned by the business, but business don't fucking care. They just want and more and inconceivable amount of money and like not not seeing that they are running towards a cliff and then suddenly everything breaks down because world of warcraft will breaks at some point oh yeah and i think they're at the cliff right I think now it will be yeah it will be a cliff it's not like a like a smooth sailing and then everything will go down people will lose like thousands of people will lose their, their jobs yes like not not like a few hundred thousands of people like a whole people and it will, yeah, I don't know, like business and, and art, they, they seem to have like a, a sim, not symbiotic, parasitic uh, relationship, you know, it can be symbiotic, but some, most of the time it's just a parasite. I think it's just like, um, and by the way, thanks for coming on. It's an interesting oh, no problem. Uh, topic, but uh, it, it, it's, it's got me thinking about like, you know, we, we make jokes about they want the money, they want all the money. And I like to kind of simplify things sometimes, and we've done this before on the podcast, but we've talked about business models and kind of the way they function and how much money you can make off of this business model versus this business model. And, you know, when you look at WoW, what makes it even more dangerous is the fact that it isn't a free-to-play game. It isn't a buy-to-play game. So it's already yeah. at a point where it has. there's no choice. There's going to be a massive cliff, and people are going to fall off of that cliff <laughs> because that's just kind of how it has to go at that point when you're at that level, at the stakes that a game's at like wow the the most interesting thing and I've, i'm sure you've heard me made this argument before the most interesting thing to me is that like i said a lot of the time people would make um 
economical arguments for MMOs as to why this couldn't happen, as to why that couldn't happen, etc. And I was right there along with them kind of believing it, you know, just because it, it made sense. It's one of those arguments mm-hmm. where people would be like, hey, this and that, money, money, money. And you'd be like, yeah, I guess it makes sense. It seems more expensive. It's bigger, it's this and that. And so you just kind of assume or whatever else. <laughs> yeah. And um, uh, it, it made me think about earlier, somebody said, uh, um, even whenever they get all the money, the investors, sorry, I was reading something in chat. Um, Alana said, even if they get all the money, the investors will want more of that. It doesn't matter how much money it is needing to show rampant growth. Yeah, um, sorry, to to bring it back to what I was saying. MMOs nowadays are starting to, once again, I know it's weird because we're going back in time in a weird way, but they're once again realizing, and and Mark Jacobs has said this himself, that we don't need a billion subscribers. We don't need a million subscribers. We don't even need 150,000. We don't need 500,000 subscribers. If we can just have 100, 200,000 subscribers, but we're consistently uh, maintaining those or gaining more, that's still a good business model. It's just not as good as doing subscriptions, freemium model with microtransactions, with costumes, with this, with that, and all that other stuff with it as well. Um, it, it This is a bit unrelated, but I think when it comes to uh, business models and the way that MMOs kind of uh, function is... The most hypocritical part about it all for me, the most hypocritical thing is that theme park MMOs were primarily made kind of on accident, right? It was like, I'm not saying they had this grand idea to create this theme park MMO. They just had a simple idea to give you more enjoyment faster, right? Which is pretty simple. Fast food does that. Brick and mortar places. They operate differently, but it's kind of like the same thing. Is it casual dining? Is it full dining? Is it fast food, right? Um, those are things that, uh, have been kind of, um, thrown back and forth, but what, what has me, um, thinking about this, uh, or at least like wondering about it is when you look at the way that, that the, uh, industry is currently structured or has been structured for the longest time with, with, uh, MMOs like, wow, right. It's a developer made game. It needs new expansions to inject new content and get more money into it. The craziest thing about me, and I'm spending way too much time getting to this point because i'm way too tired the craziest thing about this to me carlo is that how on earth do you guys think you can um convince me that that is better business-wise for making money than creating systems which don't run out of content they don't they literally don't run out of content if I could yeah. create a system where somebody could have some crazy lightsaber fight, like in Jedi Academy in an MMO, that system itself would sell the game, right? Just having lightsaber combat in an MMO with a with a physics engine would sell the damn game. So it's I just don't get why people keep telling the lie, essentially. And developers keep trying to tell us this lie, and, and publishers keep trying to tell us this lie that, you know, developer-made uh, MMOs are still the the best way forward both monetary and both artistically. And it's like, well, artistically, most of us disagree, right? Most people are kind of wanting more open-ended games already. But for the longest time, the money was the argument, right? It's money, that's why. I don't know. I kind of think the other way makes a lot more sense from a money perspective because, again, as I mentioned in the Age of Empires Online video, WoW probably spends so much money to make content. And did they make yeah. that con- did they make that money back on BFA? I'm not convinced they did. I'm not convinced they did. It it's it comes back to what I what I said about statistics and the business people. Not not 
not shitting on them. They are they are great. They do they do make great decisions sometimes. But they look at numbers, like they see the that more subscribers are coming and coming and coming, and what they predict that subscribers will come again, will keep coming. Instead of thinking what instead of making like a wholesome analytics and thinking about social uh, social status and if player are getting bored and making like a feedback loop so that they get like real feedback from players no they just look at numbers uh, it's growing it's going to keep growing and then they just forget that uh, humans exist and the same thing goes for business they look at this works this makes money let's do it again and it always comes back to someone looks at a statistics interprets it co- incorrectly and then fucks it fucks it up yeah, or basically takes it as like a gospel without actually having enough yeah. evidence to make like a specific claim. Like somebody in chat um, said uh, or asked, uh, he, he John uh, Drakak said, because that's what the average user wants. WoW is aimed at the average user. That's not true, though. You see how you can make because these, they, yeah, you can make generalistic arguments, but they're not always true because is Minecraft not a popular game? Is Minecraft not a sandbox game? Minecraft is completely a sandbox game. Yes, it has a storyline, but all that shit came after the sandbox. I think Minecraft is proof that players love sandbox games, and it's totally possible to sell a sandbox game to a mass audience. Oh, yeah. Isn't Minecraft an actual MMO? Wouldn't you, wouldn't you consider a Minecraft an MMO? Or is it the server size too small? I mean, they can have servers as much as a thousand people. That's more than some MMOs or or games that are considered MMOs. (laughs) It is an actual MMO, isn't it? I feel like at that point, I mean, Hytale is supposed to have even more than that. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, see, Uh, if if like someone has to show a business person that is responsible for decisions because developers are just at the end of the day, they have to say what they are told to. They they do not have artistically maybe decisions but business-wise they have influence at all i worked in teams so <laughs> i know a little bit of what i'm talking about it's not uh, talking out of my ass <laughs> what sorry someone in chat said the biggest minecraft server has 20k players is that real that's real that's an mmo for me yeah that's an mmo for, for sure, sure. The, with the amount of freedom they have with the system like locking chests and making things indestructible so they can have like consistent a consistent world that's yeah that's like a proof here you have direct proof that <laughs> mmos uh, can exist without uh, developer-made content <laughs> I, I i think it honestly it's just kind of one of those things and and by the way john jacak i'm not saying that you believe this but oftentimes people will kind of present something as like the general opinion where it's like a, a normative claim. So it makes sense, right? You can't necessarily say it's wrong because it's not like a factual claim. And it, and, it, and it's kind of like one of those common sense arguments. But when you when <laughs> you dive into it, common. What, what'd you say? Sense is not that common. <laughs> right. But oftentimes, yeah, there's a lot more that goes into it. Um, ironically, the biggest Minecraft server is Hypixel, who is making Hytale. Oh, well, <laughs> there you go. It's <laughs> funny. So yeah, it's pretty much confirmed right there. Um, anyway, I I think <laughs> I've reached the end of the the podcast. Yeah, sorry, and no, sorry no, it's totally to... fine. Like, don't don't feel anything um bad about it. It's just one of those things where we we generally have a timeline of how long we like to run it. That's just so people can keep a. Uh, I say people, but what I really mean is card and and Zila can keep a lid on me, so I don't just rant endlessly. But um, yeah. 
I, I do think um, in, there needs to be more discussion had about like actual technical things and also the business aspects. Because, you know, to, to put a bow on this, and again, thank you for stopping by and having this discussion with us. I think, I think we've very much enjoyed it. Um, I, to put a bow on it, I, I think the most important thing is, as you said, although the suit, the metaphorical suit and the artist are kind of at odds, right? Just because one person wants everybody to see their vision and maybe their vision doesn't make the most money or maybe there's other things that go into it. Whereas the business obviously has to think about the dollars and cents, which isn't so romantic and isn't so, you know, personal, I guess, if you will. That being said, I think um, with the rise of Kickstarter and crowdfunding, finally we're seeing some level of power uh, restored back to the artists. And I think that's why we're starting to see things change again is that if things become too business-like, then it's like, it's like an assembly line. You no, know? we're all making the same fucking car and it just looks the same way and it plays the same way. And it, yeah, it works. Okay. But you kind of want something different and you're kind of tired of the same shit. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. It's like, I have nothing more to add. That's, that's encapsulated my my thoughts as well. Well, I'm I'm glad, <laughs> man. And like I said, thank you for stopping by, everybody in chat. Please, thank you uh, to Carlo Lucas. By the way, is it yeah. Carlo? Do you go by Carlo? Or is that uh, a good friend gave me the name Carlos? You, sh- you just can call me Carlos. It's fine. Are, are you? By the way, um, um, I, <laughs> I was going to ask you in Spanish, but do you speak Spanish? I speak Portuguese. And German. I was gonna say I can hear I can hear your uh, your Portuguese or Portuguese uh, uh, accent a little bit. Accent, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, none of my languages actually work, so all of them have an accent. German <laughs> has an accent, and Portuguese. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's quite funny. So yeah, if there are Germans in, in the server, they can talk to me in German, no problem. Yeah, I think um I think we actually do have a couple of Germans, and and weirdly enough, um I've mentioned this before, but. My my girlfriend was born in Germany, and my my <laughs> uncle lives in Germany. So it's like I have a weird connection to Germany, even though, you know, I've never been there myself. So I need to go there at some point. Yeah, we're the guys that do accounting games, you know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and I mean the thing is, is uh, I think actually, you know what? One last thing before we leave, we should have a discussion about sometime, not today, but sometime we should have the discussion about MMOs from different regions and kind of how they look. And I've wanted to do that for some time, but I feel like it's such an ambitious video, but it just made me think about it now. Cause we're talking about Europe and, you know, uh, even just like you think about South America and, and how it's been affected by MMOs. Like, and oh, yeah. there, there's just so much, so much interesting shit about that. But anyway, we have to get into that some other time. <laughs> yeah, sure. Like, yeah, thanks for stopping by. And hey, if you're there next week, um, feel free to call in again. Okay, no problem. See ya. See you later. All right, guys. Sorry, I don't normally like to rant too much. I didn't sleep so well today. So when I don't sleep particularly well, it's not my best days to rant. Um, that's why I started a little bit late today. So sorry about that, guys. But I hope you guys have enjoyed the conversation. And the best part I love about the podcast for me like the simplest reason why I love the podcast is it's how I think about all of my ideas. Okay. <laughs> if you guys want to know the real way that I figure this shit out, it's by talking to you guys. I'm an extrovert. I have to talk to people and kind of hear myself talk in order to kind of formulate my thoughts. So sometimes you'll hear me stumble on things. It's because 
I'm thinking about what I'm saying in my head while I'm saying it <laughs> instead of thinking about it before I say it because I'm just that's my personality is I have to experience things myself in order to really kind of understand them. And um there are a lot more discussions that we need to have about MMOs and I think we will for some time like tech servers um how much of a problem is money how much of a problem is the technology right how can we talk about the balancing between business relationships and artistic relationships maybe vision versus like dollars and cents you know that that sort of discussion but also just the differences of how each region has been affected by different mmos i mean you look at south america and i've played with a lot of people from south america i'm hispanic myself so my family's from mexico um I've I've got to play with people from South America and obviously my Spanish is not so great cuz I'm I'm an American <laughs> who was not ta taught Spanish as a kid but uh I remember talking to you know different people from different regions Asia Europe Russia Hawaii China it's just crazy to think about how much of an impact MMOs have had globally and um how many questions left unanswered there still is in the industry and uh, sometimes whenever I talk to you guys, I, I remember this shit. Like, I remember how much more there is left to talk about and how much more there is left to go in about. But before I turn any more red to where I become, like, Rudolph the Red Nose Red Face, I think I'll end my podcast. I don't know if it's hot in here or what, but I look like, a, I look like Rudolph today. Yeah, we'll talk more about tech stuff and business stuff um, some other time. And I, I would like to thank everybody for please taking the time to watch this podcast today. Today was episode 35. There wasn't as much juicy news this week as there was last week. I totally um, understand that. And we definitely got into some very business-like discussions today. But hopefully you guys enjoyed it. And hopefully we're trying to offer some more unique discussion about Classic WoW as well. You know, when Ulysses comes in, I know he has some of these questions that he agonizes over and he talks to his community about. And then we get to kind of talk about and discuss them on stream because, you know, in many ways, although we're in the community of MMO players, we're still kind of outside of it. And and I know that sounds weird, but it's because, like, how many of us right now are currently playing an MMO? Not many of us, right? I'm not. Currently actively playing a single MMO for like longer than a day at a time. How many of you in chat right now are playing that much? I haven't I haven't ha I haven't played with that many uh people who've told me they found an MMO, let alone I don't know that many people period who are currently playing one. I got a nope. I got Okay, I got two yeses. Three yeses, a, a couple nopes here in chat. Fallen Earth, well, I hope that game ends up uh, getting its uh, new engine reboot of sorts with Little Orbit. I like Call of Duty. There you go. A couple people are playing EVE. Yeah, so not a whole lot of people here are playing an MMO, and I think that's the part that, um, that we can't forget about, is although we're in the space, we're kind of outside of it, right? Because we're not really playing the current games right now. So I only say that because sometimes I feel like an outsider when I talk about some of these subjects because I, you almost have to make yourself feel like an outsider. You have to look at it from a macro perspective and looking at things from a macro perspective, I think really help us in understanding um, just 
really how complex the MMO industry is. And I know sometimes this is my goodbye for you guys. So thank you again for stopping by to watch. I'll leave you guys with this last bit. I know we make a lot of content and sometimes we make content that's perceived as very negative and whatever else. And for you guys who know me personally, you know that I love MMOs. So whether or not I talk about them negatively or positively just kind of depends on which game I'm talking about, right? But I think it's important to realize that, you know, at the end of the day, you're dealing with a human being. Like a developer is a human being. A publisher is a human being. And humans can make mistakes and and um, humans aren't perfect. But I think, you know, although sometimes we can kind of sound like the outside person looking in, maybe seem even judgmental sometimes. I hope for any of you guys who are currently playing an MMO, I hope you have the time of your life playing whatever MMO you're currently I realize, for me personally, there's not a whole lot of MMOs out there right now that I really feel like playing. In fact, with Classic WoW, that's about the only one right now that I feel like playing in the near future. So <laughs> we get a little bit too negative here sometimes, but I just wanted to end the podcast saying there's still great MMOs out there to play. Maybe they're old. Maybe they're not current. But if you haven't had the chance to play an MMO, enjoy an MMO experience, or maybe play any of the classic MMOs that we've covered on the channel, maybe you can use this next two months of time before the Classic WoW launch as a, I don't know, a trial period. Maybe you could try out Classic WoW on a private server. Maybe you've never tried... Uh, Maybe you've never tried Darkfall. Maybe you want to play, play that game. And maybe you never had the chance to play the original EverQuest. Maybe you want to try that. I think it's really important for you guys as fans, as we're at this kind of like weird standby point where there's not a whole lot of new games coming out, to take the time and understand kind of what you like, why you like it. And in my opinion, the only way to do that is just try new games. So although I might not have a game here that I can tell you guys to go try right now that's awesome and great and the next new best MMO to launch, I can at least say, just go try something. Just try any MMO out there. And and if you don't like it, actually, you know what? This is what I ask from you guys. And I'll leave you with this as, I, as I've said a thousand times now. <laughs> I'll leave you with this, guys. Whatever MMO you decide to play, just go in there, take your time, enjoy the little things, enjoy creating your character, enjoy customizing your character, and just Start to wonder and see and look for things that you notice that maybe you don't like this. Take that pattern, compare it to another pattern from an MMO. And what you'll find is that within that two-month period, whenever WoW Classic's out, um, you'll be none the wiser. No, I'm just kidding. Um, maybe you'll be a little bit more wise and maybe you'll have a better understanding of maybe why WoW Classic works in today's market, why it doesn't, why it didn't, why, all of that sort of stuff. Just asking you guys to don't forget about the most important part of this channel playing video game yeah i hope soon we can play some more mmos and i can't wait till i can stream some wild WoW classic you know because i've said it so many times but i'm not myself when i can't play an mmo day by day so i can't wait to be able to stream one for you guys live um and yeah that's just my that's the last thing i wanted to say i'm just excited if you can't tell i'm excited about it so i hope you guys are too and um i can't wait to play some classic wow with you guys. That's me forcing myself to say goodbye. Bye.